everyone, welcome to episode 556 of Conversation Street, the unofficial, spoiler-free, Coronation Street podcast, featuring me, Gemma. And me, Michael. Today we're talking about the episodes of Coronation Street that were broadcast between the 28th and 31st of December 2022. Last, last year. year. That's so last year. Happy New Year, everybody. 10, oh, yeah. Episodes 10,835 to 10,839. Yes. Now you can say what. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Gemma. Happy New Year, listeners. Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, everyone's here now. Happy New Year. Yeah. Oh, well, 2022. 2022 is over. The 10th year of our podcast. We can stop banging on about it now. And now until year 11. Did you have a nice nice New Year's celebrations? Mm-hmm. Do you want to say anything about it? Would you want to? <laughs> no, not really. We didn't do anything exciting. We went to my dad's house and we watched... We were binging Happy Valley um, last week, weren't we? We ended up spending most of New Year's Eve just watching Happy Valley with them because they'd not seen it. But a new series started yesterday, didn't it? Yes, very cool. Coronation Street related, of course, because Sarah Lancashire plays the lead, even though Raquel's not been in the show for over 20 years now. It's good stuff, very exciting. Looking forward to seeing how the series goes. Um, so we are, we are here on the, uh, what's the date today? The 2nd of January. I'm back to school tomorrow. Boo. Um, and we actually managed to get through the whole of the Christmas period and Corrie's weird scheduling, keeping a semi-regular podcast going, which is quite good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's kind of almost back to normal now, except today we're doing a Street Talk episode and then we'll do another one on Friday. Corrie this week is on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday and then that's it until Sunday, but I don't think it's on Monday. I don't know. It's, it's still a bit funny, but I think um, we're pretty much through the the tumultuousness of Christmas and um, yeah, we'll be having our regular schedule returning um, imminently, which includes next week we're doing our review of 2022, which will be very exciting. Yeah, we are. That's what we're good doing. What are you looking at me like that for? I don't know, just in case you wanted to say anything about no. it. And, and and that's also, I think, when we're going to include our other look at um, the top 10 characters that featured, which you've been looking forward to for some reason, because <laughs> you've, been, you've been keeping your eye on it, haven't you? Mm-hmm. But, um, and you've been very excited to talk about who made it into the top 10 of 2022. We have to wait a little see. bit longer on that You'll one. never know. Yeah. Um, never know. So, Gemma has... Um, you, I, I don't even know. I, I've done a quiz this week for you. You go, wait, were you gonna say, What horrible thing were you going to say? I was going to say, Gemma's been lazing around in bed again this morning. I've been on holiday, and I respect holidays, and you don't. <laughs> I don't respect holidays. I've been on holidays. You've also got a bad crick in your neck, so I thought I'd... Um, yeah, it's horrible. Is, is that still bad? Well, I've got... I took painkillers. Oh, okay. And it doesn't feel so bad, but I couldn't turn my... My head really, really hurts. Yeah, I don't know what you've done to that. I think it might be the, the, the bed that Dad's, in, uh, Dad's house that we've been sleeping on. I don't know. Um, yes, yeah, so I have got a quiz for you. So are you ready? And you, yeah. you better be back in quiz duties next week because this is um, so difficult to put together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a quiz for the things <coughs> that happened in um, years ending in a two and a seven. I'm just, I'm just still used to getting this down. Um, in episodes between the 28th and the 31st of December. I've got, I think, six questions for you today. Where do you source the information from? Corypedia. Just check in. Corrib- well, according to them, nothing of interest happened in years ending in 2 and a 7 on the 28th of December. So I'm actually starting off with the 29th of December for you. I haven't got, have you got anything to write your results down? Are you going to remember I, them? I don't need to remember Remem- them. Remember them. I don't need to remember. Okay, so... Um, 20 years ago, Gemma, 29th of December 2002, Deirdre is horrified to find out that Tracy's mystery man is someone that she herself shared a bed with the previous Christmas. But who is it? Dev. Yes, well done. Yeah. 
You always look like, you look surprised. You look like you're a, supposed to burst into rapturous celebrations. You, that you got one right. You just looked at me like a dog that just spoke. Well done. You have a treat. No, it was it. It was like a mix of horrified fascination. <laughs> okay, next one. This is from fifteen years ago, thirtieth of December, two thousand and seven. What confession that Sarah makes to Jason appalls him so much that he refuses to move to Milan with her and Bethany. She slept with somebody, her brother, his brother. <laughs> no, it was not that. No, I didn't really she didn't sleep to the with question. her own brother. What was the question? So De- Sarah yeah. says something that makes Jason go, bloody hell, you nutcase. I'm not going to Milan with you. I'm going to stay in the programme, actually. Is it something to do with Todd? No. Um, she cut spaghetti with a knife and fork. <laughs> And he said like that, and he was too embarrassed. That is the right way to do it, Gemma. No, it isn't. Right, no, she don't cut spaghetti. She planted ecstasy tablets on David. She was trying to make him look like a uh, a big old druggie. Okay, but um, yeah. But anyway, didn't know and that. that that was the last that we saw of Sarah Louise for a long time, and the last that we saw of old Bethany before she came back with a new head. Um. Okay. On the thirty first of December, nineteen sixty two. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going back sixty years now. Um. Nelly. The wife of Witch Street Stalwart declares that she is leaving him. So who was Nellie married to in 1962? Small cast list. It was a man. Who's it going to be? Um, and it's, I'm going to say it's a main character. 1962. Um, I can't remember anybody that was married before. I know. I, d- I think I'd kind of forgotten about this as well. But you might remember that this person's son does turn up few years later and everyone's like oh he's got a son I forgot about that well no Len yes oh Len yeah well done. exactly I'm just going to jump in there and say yes that's your final answer yeah Len Fairclough's <clears throat> wife the wife Nelly who oh, knew poor Nelly Fairclough <laughs> um, right we are going back 25 years now to the 31st of December 1997 and after finding out that the man she's been seeing is already married the woman who doesn't exist turns up at the doorstep of the other woman who doesn't exist. But who are these two women that don't exist? I don't know what the other one's name is, but one of them's Deirdre. One of them is Deirdre. Do you want to tell me a surname and, and maybe um maybe a title of the second one? Mrs. Yes. John. Yes. Necktie. <laughs> what was his name? Come on, Gemma. John. I don't know. Lindsay. Okay. John, I'll give you I'll give you one and a half marks for that. You can't give me a mark for misses. <laughs> okay, man. But you knew who it was at least. Yeah. Okay. Um, thirty first of December two thousand and seven. So about fifteen years ago now. When Vernon marries Liz, name any of the untraditional items of clothing that Vernon wears. He wears. Does he wear a bolo tie? Does he wear a cowboy hat? He does wear a cowboy. Do hat, you know what yeah. a bolo tie is? I, I don't. Does he wear a white cowboy outfit and yes. white cowboy boots? Yes. What's a bolo tie? It's a little string one. It's a little oh, black string. oh yeah, he does wear that. Yeah. There you go. Well, you know, YOLO. <laughs> YOLO to the bolo. <laughs> yeah. That's what he said. Isn't it? Um, and thirty first of December two thousand and twelve. So ten years ago, Gemma Fizz is hospitalised after suffering what? When was this? T- ten years ago, Fizz goes to hospital. First, first New Year of the podcast. What made Fizz go... Is it being insane? pregnant? No. She was not. She'd already had just given a birth before then. Given a birth? Given a, given, had a baby. Um, no, she she had carbon monoxide poisoning. Do you remember? No. Well, she did. 
Not well, sure. I wasn't keeping track of your score there, Gemma, but you How did many questions were there? Six. Six out of six, I would say. Okay, right. We have got a few birthdays coming up in the next couple of days before next podcast. It is probably um, a good idea to mention I have just woken up. Yeah, yeah. Once again, Gemma's I'm carrying really on the tradition bothered. of the last podcast by uh, doing it in her pajamas today. I'm not. I. I. I really you got your slinky black negligee on, haven't you, Gemma? Yeah, I couldn't care less about this. <laughs> well, you could care less about <laughs> this luckily, because Michael's an entertaining host. I, I'm in. The, I'm in a mood for this. I'm just drinking my tea. Carry um, Fifth of January, nineteen thirty, was born Harry Elton. Corey's first executive producer. So happy, um, happy nineteen ninety two to you. Years. Yeah, I just just shame these people for being so old, um, and dead. Sixth of January, nineteen thirty five. Tim Aspinall, oh, producer the, and writer. I'm sure I say this every year. Of the Vinegar Company. Absolutely. But the famous, famous vinegars. Famous Aspinalls, almost as it? famous as the Vinegar. That's it. That's all we got. Because you know, next episode is going to be Friday, so I only had to look for about four days to find out who, who had birthdays coming we've had up. A very and it ain't many people. Schedule for. We have, but I think I think you know we've kept three or four episodes in each one. This today's ep- today's one we're going to be talking about four episodes, is it? But some of them are half an hour long, so I don't know how long this is going to last. Shall we find out? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hooray. Give me some gusto. Yeah, let's find out. What are we finding out? What happened? Yeah. Yeah, let's find out what happened. Gemma was asleep for some of this week's episode, <laughs> so she, she actually is, uh, she's not really joking. I don't actually here. remember, no. <laughs> let's go to street talk. <laughs> okay, we're into street talk this week then. And um, yeah, so as we were just saying, the, the schedules were all up all over the place. We've actually got four episodes to talk about today, all of which took place four nights in a row didn't it we got wednesday which was an hour and then thursday friday rare appearance from a saturday all of those with three were half an hour so it kind of builds up to being less than the normal street talk but i i quite enjoyed having um, an, an extra or a, an episode of coronation street to look forward to every day how did you find the going back to half an hour oh i, I don't know i Good. don't know i didn't i didn't it was i don't know I don't understand how you can ask me. Like, just nothing's test- normal anymore. It doesn't make any difference. It's all different. I thought, it, I mean, uh, the Thursday and Friday episodes were clearly two halves of the same episode because that's when it ended with the cliffhanger with Teddy being hit by the by the car. Um, but Saturday's episode was seemingly written as a standalone half an hour episode. And I was kind of getting through to about a third of the episode thinking, well, they're still having their breakfast. Don't they realise this is only a half an hour one? But they, they didn't just kind of jump to, to midnight almost. But I thought it was quite good. And um, yeah, then we had we didn't have a curry yesterday, but then we got today, tomorrow, Wednesday, and then we're going to have, have time off again. But yeah, I've, I've quite enjoyed having it. But um, what we didn't have this week, really much of at all, was the um, the, the Max Streamism story, did we? We were all gearing ourselves up for giant explosions and drama at New Year from Griff and the Racist, but didn't, didn't even get barely a puff from them. Nope. Puff they smoke. Very tired, like me. <laughs> you, you, you're going to be giving this your all today. Listen, we said to you listeners that over Christmas we would still deliver podcasts to you for your entertainment. Quality. But I ne- no, I never said they would be good ones. <laughs> I never said that my uh, my what's it, participation would be any more than I would say about 25%. <laughs> well, we're going to start off with the Reed in the Red storyline. This is this is Reed in the Red and is Teddy dead? Because it's got a bit of a oh, rhyme into it, isn't it? Yeah. Poor old poor old Teddy. Poor old all Ted is on Coronation Street. Last year on Coronation Street began with Ted getting hit by a car. 
Ted, old man Ted. Yeah, and this yeah. one this one ended with Teddy getting hit by another car. So uh, it, it just um, adds to the, the list of Teddies who um, have met unfortunate ends on Coronation Street. You've got, you got Gail's dad, Ted. you got Rita's husband, Ted. You don't want to be a Ted on Coronation Street, I tell you. So um, that's going to be, the I guess, the main bulk of the discussion because that seems to be where... Um, that was what the New Year's stuff was centred around. Then we got the Todd storyline. I've got a couple of options here, as you can see. Yeah. Yes. What are you waiting for? Do not wait for a reaction from me. <laughs> you, okay, I'm not going to be tapping your knees with no hammers today. Um, Todd checks out the dentist tonsils. Ugh. Yeah, bit of a snog there. Um, also, Widower's Peak, I thought, because... Oh, did you get that one? I didn't no. know. What do you mean? But, you you know, a... you like how, yeah, Lawrence became a widower by apparently, allegedly, apparently not, pushing his old Lindsay off of the, off of the Alps. So, Widower's Peak, I thought, kind of goes with that. Peak I'd like him Alps. a lot yeah. more if he get did it, actually it, do it, it, but yes. But you don't think he did. Summergate comes next, which is the surrogate storyline. Yeah. Uh, bad reception. Yeah, that's about Roy being very ungrateful with his mobile phone. Good one. Thanks. Um, Barter Barlow. Yeah, it's a silly man. Peter, Barter, Peter. And then we got to do have a bit more Max Streamers and by the end as well. Right, Gemma, I'm going to be passing over to you because you've said that you've <clears> volunteered <throat> your services no, to synopsize the Stephen Reed storyline. I line. didn't. I said I don't care about Todd and Lawrence. You'd rather do Stephen than Todd and Lawrence. <laughs> so let's rewind our memories back to Wednesday. And what naughty shenanigans and general skulking about has Stephen Reed been up to in the past week? Well... On Wednesday, Sarah's still nagging Uncle Stephen because she would like her money, thank you very much, because she said he'd give them money for the business. And he says, um, yeah, it's fine, I have got the money, I just need a few more days. And so Carla sees him in the cafe and she says, thank you so much for that advice that you gave me the other day when I was minding my own business in the pub and you came and nosed over my shoulder and told me I had done my spreadsheet wrong. And she tells him he clearly knows what he's talking about when it comes to business. So... She's so chuffed with his help. <laughs> he sees Elaine, sits down with her, and she's embarrassed because she's pulled out of the loan and yes. she thinks it might have made things awkward between them. You think? <laughs> and he says, don't worry, it's fine, I don't mind at all. Stephen tells Elaine, um, she says, he, he gets excited and he says, actually, do you know what? I know that you said you didn't want to give me the money, but it's such a great business opportunity that I think you should invest anyway and you should invest directly through them. You don't need to involve me. Why don't you why don't you invest like that? And then the the show complete then proceeds to completely misunderstand what an investment is. How do you mean? Because she starts talking about loan terms. Oh, well, I don't understand it anyway. And he says if it's a great business opportunity, you invest in it. You don't loan the money. Because then you get a stake of the profits. If you're loaning the money, you only ever get your interest back. Well, she also gets him involved in it properly. I don't understand this. Like, if I had a load of money, if yeah. only, and somebody said, oh, this would make a really good investment, I think I'd be too chicken to do it. Because like, I don't and understand that's why we'll always be poor. It's like if I had a load of money and somebody said, oh, you should play a game of poker. I'd be like, nope. Well, that's not an investment, is it? That's just asking you Could be you if you're to... lucky. I don't think it's luck. But anyway, Elaine, Elaine is obviously a lot more business savvy than me. And um, says, yeah, I'll go for it, actually. Maybe. I don't know if she's business savvy, but... Um, Easily persuaded. He's, well, he's excited and, and he's just, you know, he's portraying himself as this big... Well, actually, I don't know. I don't know if I'd trust his business sense if I was Elaine, but she does anyway. Well, that's because she's head over heels goo-goo with him, isn't she? In the factory, 
Sarah annoys Carla annoys Sarah by telling her the toilets need cleaning. <laughs> and then I love this scene. Sarah goes off on her completely. <laughs> She's sick of it, and she gets she kind of like goes to that dizzying. You know when you're like having a rant and you just get excited and carried away but she's she's ranting at I think both Carla. of us um, know exactly what that's like having done this podcast for so long well yeah you guys all have heard that many <laughs> times except none of the, none of the times so far uh, we've got ourselves fired from it but you know no. What, who knows what will happen? Well, Sarah proceeds to throw herself and Michael right under the bus here. Doesn't well, she? she's like, you know what? You don't know anything about business. You just inherited this business, and it's nearly gone under numerous times. Everyone's scared of you. You're a dinosaur. You don't know what's going on. And Carla says, "Oh, you t- you're only talking to me like this because you you and Michael have got your secret business. You think I don't know about that?" And, I, and um, well, I do. And then Sarah says, yeah, that's right. I've got a brand new business and it's going to be amazing. And I love, I, like, I love the way she has absolutely no shame or she doesn't connect at all the fact that she's like, you, you only get your back factory because you inherited the money off your husband. My Uncle Stephen's going to give me £10,000. That's not my own business. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she says to all the, all the factory workers, come with me, join me. You don't want to work for her, you want to work for me. And uh, everyone's sitting there pretending they don't know who she is. I, I love this scene. Michael's and standing next to her looking completely shell-shocked. I love that so much. She just takes him down with her, doesn't yeah. she? She's got, she's, yeah, she's, she's reckless. She's uh, uh, excited. She feels like she's got one up over Carla for the first time. And to be honest, Carla was treating her a bit like crap. But also oh, she has equally, been. What does Sarah do? Sarah bri- I, I, I refuse to believe that Sarah brings anything to that factory ever since she's kind of somehow worked her way up into management of it and I can't even remember how that happened but I don't <coughs> think it was her business acumen that got her there I've been thinking what what, what is she doing that she she doesn't she's not fit to lick Carla's high heels and I know Carla can be a bit of an ass, like you said but Sarah she just feels like a total imposter there so when she started having a go at Carla and sort of Tearing her a new one, I was like, "Who do you think you're talking to?" <laughs> but then some of the what made it more delicious for me was that some of the stuff that she was saying to Carla, she's like, "She's got your number, actually, Carla," because she did only get the factory by inheriting it, and she has been a bit useless recently. Sarah kind of brings out the uh, the fact that. Oh, the factory's going under every five minutes. Yes, and it's like, yes it is. Yeah. That's all the factory storylines have been for Sorry, the past ten years. Sorry, we don't have any years. other storylines, Sarah. <laughs> it, was, it was almost a little bit fourth wall breaky, wasn't it? Sarah's yeah, um, on the noseness of how she's trying to take down Sarah. But I'd, Carla was just kind of sitting there or standing there, kind of just letting Sarah unload everything that she's got on her, just so she can ceremoniously sack her afterwards. No, she doesn't ceremoniously. Oh no, she sack she her. she goes to, doesn't she? <laughs> well, I love the I loved how Carla was actually enjoying this because she's like well dig your own grave my love carry on and everybody watching in the background as well like um you had had, it was there Beth was there Sally was there then in the background you had Dirk and some of the other non-speaking extras as well just like oh my god it was brilliant I absolutely uh, loved this scene I just feel really bad for Michael he he barely opened his mouth around the whole thing and he didn't have a job by the end of it like a goldfish (laughs) yeah and then and Sarah's like right well we resign don't we Michael let's go (laughs) (laughs) and Michael's like um uh oh they go outside and Michael's like I've got a kid I need money what are you what have you done and I I was saying to you what does he need money for he lives with his parents Mm. 
What is, he has got, he's got a kid. He goes, oh, I need it for nursery. Well, he ain't got a job. She doesn't need to get a nursery anymore, does she? <laughs> anyway, Sarah tells Gail, she's like, Mum, I've quit. I just need to get that money off, off Uncle Stephen. <laughs> mummy, mummy, good news. I quit my job. <laughs> yeah. You clever thing. <laughs> no, Gail's like, what the hell? Gail's worried because she knows the truth. She yeah she knows that Stephen doesn't um, have any money has, has so no cash. she tells Sarah all of this off screen and then we find out in the next scene that you know Sarah finds Stephen and says Mum sold me everything you haven't got any money um and she's obviously a bit upset because she literally asks she's like right are you sure you have this money and he's like yes I totally do I'm so rich and then the next time he sees her. They see each other. She's like, I quit my job because of you. And now I, I, I'm unemployed. I'm broke. She's such an idiot. I love it. I love how stupid she is. Yeah, it's great. And I, also, I kind of want to see I want to see Adam's face when she, Sarah goes home and explains everything that's happened that day to her. Yeah. Because this is also awkward for him because he's, you know, Peter's his... Oh, God, what is his, his uncle? Relation. And, and, and Carla's always round mm. number one. And and the lawyer's office has been going through some financial struggles of its own this year since one of the uh, once one of the members dropped dead. I know he's got Dee Dee there, but I don't think she's done much to bring in the bring the readies yet. So um, yeah, it's all looking a bit dire, isn't yeah. it? They're gonna have to cut S- back silly on move there, so hair cream. But I, the the thing with Sarah is, I still think that the it's almost like the the program makers <clears throat> don't really want us to think that she's mega thick. I mean, she's not on. You know, she's not on Rosie Webster levels of ditziness, is she? I think we're supposed to be championing her some of the time. It's like we've always known, and this just shows it. It's like they did it with Kate, didn't they? Kate Connor, all those years where she was being a spoiled brat. But it was... Uh, it, seemingly they... no, no awareness at all, that uh, even on the part of the show, that she's a spoiled brat. Yeah, but then eventually... They they they, they, they they cottoned on. Hang on a minute, everyone's saying that Kate's... Kate spoil and then they made her and yeah they, they really played into that into her final year so um yeah Sarah's dangerous because Amusing. she doesn't realise how stupid she is that's the thing if you <laughs> understand your limitations you, you, you'll create you know you won't create as much chaos as she does. I think I think she's just got skills elsewhere, and I really uh, I really think that Tina <laughs> O'Brien is a fab actress, and, and oh, yeah. Sarah, Sarah Louise is. She's I'm not going to say character. she's one of my favourite characters, but she's I, I I really got a lot of time for Sarah Lou, so I can kind of <laughs> take gently take Sorry. the Mickey out of her. It's far more fun I, to have her like this than it would be to have her be another little Carla. Yeah, I just think that she needs to find her niche somewhere else, and I think if I don't, but I don't know what it is. It's because like you know when you were character in Coronation Street and if you've grown up into it and 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 you've got to stay on the show you've got to find you, you, you don't have many jobs to choose from do no. you and it's like what should we do with Sarah I don't know put her into the factory she's she just not suitable there but I, I don't know where else she could go honestly what happened but with her and Adam having a baby yeah, I, I, yeah she did just give up work altogether just be a mum mom. <laughs> she did she did remember she worked at the Rovers for a little bit as well everyone kind of forgot about I that I forgot about that she was a bit yeah she was a bit short behind the bar I remember but um, she was cool short I, I, behind I, the bar I don't no, not like Sally Webster I, I don't know where her strengths lie but I, okay. I, I'd like this to be the end of her time in the factory but I've got a feeling it won't it's be. not Michael's yeah Michael's telling her that um, oh no we've got past that haven't we Elaine finds Stephen and says Right, I thought about it, but and I do want to invest in Sarah's business, but I'll go I'll go through you because you're a business person. 
Yeah, so, so she's going to give him the money and then he's going to give it to Sarah Louise and, and Michael, apparently, because of his great business mind. So he's, he's managed to manipulate her very quickly from, I'm not giving it to you anymore because I was going to give it to you because we're friends. I think it's getting too complicated, so I'm not going to give you the money, to, oh, I will give you the money because it's not because we're friends, it's because it's a business idea. Yes. And what's the business again? I can't actually remember. Is it still the making tiny t-shirts the same as a growing t-shirt? I don't know. That's what you said last week in the podcast. And I don't remember them mentioning that on the show at all. But you might be right. I I don't know. I don't know. Something clothy. Later on, Stephen told Sarah. So she and Michael find a lane in the market. And they're like, hooray. Thank you so much for investing. And she says, no, I'm not investing anymore. Bad news. People whose house I was going to buy have pulled out. It felt like on this episode there were <coughs> a few jumps where we should have seen people explaining things or things happening that we didn't. Yeah, so we didn't see Gail properly explaining to Sarah um, about Stephen not having any money. We didn't say let's see Elaine finding out about her buyers pulling out. We didn't even have her in the back of a or scene Sarah's or something, Elaine. like on the phone, like looking upset. We didn't even need to. Not hear. as far as I knew. It just no, felt like a bit of a jump, it, didn't it? So. Yeah. Um, Everybody, and this wasn't even a half an hour episode. You had a whole hour that you could have done this in. <laughs> everybody who's sold a house or bought a house in the last two years having flashbacks and <laughs> PTSD from this. Um, so Elaine's house is ready to sell, but she was going to buy someone else's house and they've pulled out so she hasn't got anywhere to go. That's right, yes, isn't it? that's right. Right, okay. So it looks like it was very, very imminent because she's talking like, you know, it's all, it was all a done deal, but really in... In England, because I know Scotland's got different rules, but um, in England, at any point, anybody can just say, no, nah, I'm not doing it anymore. Mm. And uh, that that would be it, I'm afraid. It didn't feel before this week that she was literally in boxes ready to go. <clears throat> but I know, but Michael, you can be in boxes ready to go and it falls through. Yeah, you yeah, know I know, that. you can, I know. It just felt like it, it came out of nowhere, like, I'm done, I'm moving out good riddance old house I think because we, we never saw her old house well, she we never did, saw any where she was going to move to or anything she did mention a few weeks ago that she was going to be moving by Christmas oh did she yeah because oh, we were, I were like I don't think you are <laughs> okay fine so um, great so now it's fallen through again so Michael and um, and Sarah have now lost two rounds of funding in uh, you know the space of an hour so what to do now Go back grovelling to Carla, I guess. <laughs> and Carla's like, no, sorry, I'm not hiring you back. Um, it's too late anyway, because I've got a replacement for you, Sarah. Somebody's much better at business than you are. It's your Uncle Stephen. He knows how a spreadsheet works. And Sarah's, Sarah's really mad. And she kind of like, <coughs> she kind of insinuates that this was all a grand master plan of Stephen to to steal her job, but it's like Sarah, you did this to yourself, love. Even what some are you of the other factory about? workers were like, "Oh, Stephen, you jumped into um, Sarah's job. You just jump into her grave as quick." And it's like literally, <laughs> I know that things often do happen a bit faster on Coronation Street than in the real world, but you know, he didn't there was plan a, there was a, there was a job going there, and, and nature abhors a vacuum, and yep. Stephen just got stuck right into it. Exactly, but yeah, I, I don't know how she's got the ghoul to insinuate that he's he's done something badder because she's the one that mouthed off and got and resigned yeah so she's upset he's taken a job she, and now she can't do her business plan so Stephen meets up with Elaine again because he feels a bit guilty about this and he says to her why why do you need to cancel this whole thing couldn't you just live live somewhere else temporary while you while you look for another 
house and she's like oh, I don't want to spend money on rent I, I, I don't have anywhere to go and he says why don't you go and live with Sally and Tim again and she's like I don't think Sally would like that and everyone at home's like yep because you're a massive cock block <laughs> <clears throat> Carla introduces Stephen to the workers um, and they're all hostile to him because he's taken Sally's job and he's like Oh, I need, I need someone to help me with this computer system. We don't have that in Canada or Milan. <laughs> and Sally's like, oh, I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll come and do it for you. And um, she's sitting at the computer tapping away. And he's like, you're so amazing at computers. You're so nice to Elaine. You know, she wouldn't say this to you, but uh, she, she's, um, she's really upset about not having anywhere to live. If only there were relatives. <laughs> And Sally's like, oh, oh, okay. Um, well, no, she's more like, oh, anything you say, Stephen, because she's well, so she thrilled of, with herself that she's well, showing she, him how to turn the computer on or whatever. Yeah, she's she's pleased with herself, but her face falls a little bit when she when he she hears him say that. But then I think she's thinking to herself, oh, I don't want to don't look horrible in front of Stephen. I better I better ask her to live with us. So they she does. She offers her a place to stay for the time being. Then Elaine meets up with Stephen in the pub and she's like, oh, good. You know, the, the money's all here in my account now because apparently this was... <laughs> this, <laughs> this is how it works. the day of moving and, uh, and now I've got my cash. Yeah, I think we just have to scroll quickly past this and uh, I don't think... The thing is, if they tried to do a proper story about moving house, it would become a horror movie and it would be so boring and intricately planned. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, there'd be so yeah. many stupid, tiny, minute annoying things that would happen it would take them well literally a year to get through the whole storyline so they're not going to do a proper moving house storyline she's just got the money deal with it she's got the money deal with it so um she says oh i'll give you the money so you can you can invest in that business and jenny's there and she's she's uh making making pointed comments to Stephen. oh look you look cozy because she's still jealous um and then elaine's like oh i've got some kind of um I've got I've got to log into my app and I've I've got my memorable word sensitive fish. Oh, here's twelve thousand pounds. Now to me this rings alarm bells. This does. This rings alarm bells. Elaine's gonna get murdered by Stephen and he's gonna be standing over her body with the app trying to work out what fish it is. Yeah, it's she's all those in. bizarre. I mean, usually on Coronation Street, people can just guess people's passwords from nothing. I can so... just imagine um, at, at Elaine's funeral. Um, uh, Stephen going up to Tim going, I'm so sorry about your mom. Did she have any favourite fish? kind of fish? Because <laughs> I was just thinking about going to the aquarium in, uh, in remembrance of her. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, uh, I, I think that um, well, her password is uh, flounder. <laughs> Some people would describe the yeah. story, what the story's doing at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she transfers him £12,000. Then... Jenny gets a worrying phone call. It's from Teddy. And he's coming back from Canada and he's got new information about Leo. He can't possibly tell her over the phone. He's got to do it in dramatic fashion in per person. And Steve's listening in. And he looks very worried. Good job, um, Todd Boyce can look worried, isn't it? <laughs> That's his main talent so far. Uh, on Thursday, Stephen... push over a bin and swing a bin round as good as anyone else on that It's not a high percentage of his um, of his role on the co on the co cobbles, that, that, That's not. Mostly what he does need to do is just lurk in the background and look worried. And uh, suck his cheeks in. He's got very yeah. lovely cheekbones, so that's helpful. 
On Thursday, Stephen catches Jenny cleaning the windows. Those windows and the pavement outside the Rovers, they've never been cleaned quite so much as they have in this past fortnight. It feels like Jenny's permanently doing it. And they do clean those a lot more, don't they? Yeah. We've never cleaned ours since we've moved in there. We well, I'm, I'm worried about the state of the street outside of the cabin, because that used to be Norris's go-to, didn't it? He's mm. always sweeping out out there. Well, anyway. It's probably a cesspit now. <clears throat> That's why nobody ever goes in there anymore. Trying you know? to jump over piles of rubbish. Yeah. So, um, he, he, Stephen asks Jenny, has Teddy been in touch again? And she says no. He goes and talks to Sarah about the funding stuff. And then when he comes back, Jenny's gone inside and Carla says, look, we need a meeting. I love the fact, and you just find it really hilarious that, like, Stephen's like, oh my God, I need to make money. I don't know how, I, w- I don't know what I'm going to do. And then he's like, ah, I know, a job. He has tried getting jobs before. I know, but do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, just fell into this job because my niece is an idiot. Yeah, after his um, tragic motorcycle accident, um, he probably with, gave with up a handily uninsured yeah. motorbike, it's like, that's, that's scarred me for getting any kind of employment. So, later on... Um, Jenny tells Stephen, Teddy's told her he's coming back. Yes. Because he wants to tell him the news face to face. Yes, it was in the country now. And Stephen's like, do you need any support? I'll help you. <laughs> and she's like, I can't remember what she says, but... He's just a massive creep, isn't yeah. he? Like, the, why nobody has suspected him at all up to this point, is anyone's guess. Then Adam comes into the factory to see Sarah, because apparently she hasn't told him that she's not got a job there anymore. And he tells Stephen that he's given six fellows a call and they said some very interesting things, which I guess was a bit of a cliffhanger because uh, we're, we're supposed to think, oh, they've mentioned that he um, that he was working for them or something, but no. This, this all confused me <clears throat> a little bit. So what actually happened on the day was that Stephen crashed his motorbike, didn't he, when he was trying to cycle away from a lane. But then he told Adam and everyone else that one of their bikes cycled into him when he was just standing outside it wasn't on the a pavement. Cycle bike, Michael. No, no, a motorbike, I mean. Um, and so we're led to so and, and so Adam, when he went to try and take six bellas to court, was under the impression that one of their motorbikes crashed into Stephen. But that's not what happens. I'm, I'm just a little bit confused about this. So at the moment, I'm I'm watching this thinking, what are they saying they're going to settle out of court about? Well, that's what Adam tells them. They want to settle out of court, but they want to speak to you in person. Mm. So he grits his teeth and he's like, oh, great. Then yeah, he's... he's he's not very happy about this because he he was trying to stop Adam from talking to Six Fellas completely. And he's been avoiding phoning them, hasn't he? Because he's not been completely honest about the circumstances of his accident. But it all was kind of swept under the carpet very neatly by the end of the episode, to be honest. Sorry, back to you. I'm interrupting you again, aren't I? Over to you. It's all right. Stephen loiters around Rosamond Street and trying to keep an eye on the Rovers and also the market because he wants to spot Teddy before he she, he speaks to Jenny. Jenny. And uh, then he sees Teddy by a stall and he bumps into him pretending um, just so he could talk to him. But Teddy's like really, really drunk. And <clears throat> it looks as though Teddy's discovered that Leo didn't even get on the plane. And... He's got a friend, conveniently, that knows <laughs> how to triangulate mobile phone devices. Don't and we all have a friend like that? And also, it's not at all a problem in his job that he can just <coughs> do this for a mate. Uh, it turns out the text that Leo supposedly sent came from uh, this area, this street, not Canada, 
But he's like, I'm not talking to you about this. I want to talk to Jenny. And Stephen panics and he's like, you really don't want to do that. And Teddy's like, um, you know what happened to Leo, don't you? you got something to do with this. And Stephen's like, oh no, oh my God. And then- <laughs> I've been rumbled. <laughs> the he's like, you'll get it. You'll get it eventually. <laughs> and Teddy's like, well, I'm going to see what Jenny has to say. And then he steps backwards into uh, the path of an oncoming van, which is speeding down that road with nowhere to go, as you pointed out. I, I, I wrote van when it was the notes, but I think it was more of like a, a Jeep kind no, of four by four. No, I think it was a van. Um, yeah, I, I don't get why it was going so fast. I mean, they, I think they did point out that it wasn't going super speedy, but they, it didn't have much of a chance to get its speed up, did it? Because, you know, the market... Blocks it the blocks road off. the road off anyway. So it, where where has it been coming from? I, I don't really know. But it's enough I to knock it out I don't know how you can cold. speed down Rosamond Street because it's not that long, is it? No, it's really not. Yet it seems to be a local... It really is a bit of a hotspot there, isn't it? That's yeah. probably why the the council refused to put speed bumps in. They're like, look, if you get killed on Ros- Rosamond Street, I'll run yeah. over it. It's your own that's fault. Where, um, that's where Gary got hit the other year, wasn't it? When they had the, uh, the first post-COVID Coronation Street stunt. He, yes. he pushed um, mannequin dummy Sarah out of the way. I want to know what the bus route's doing. Yeah, that's a very good point. Wasn't yeah. bus stop, wasn't a street bus stop that they pick the they get picked up there to go to school and to go to town. Mm. And now they the the end the road's blocked off. All because of this market, which seems to have been thrown together. The idea across the course of like one episode back at the beginning of December, Maria saying, "Yeah, we should have the market anyway." And next day, there's a market going on. That's well, how I remember it anyway. And it's still going. I don't understand. Why do that's people why keep going to this Michael, market? That's why That's why it's got to be called... That's why she wanted it to be called uh, a the winter, winter market, market and not yes. a Christmas market. Yeah. I, honestly, I don't know why. what the continuing <clears throat> appeal of this is. It seems to be one of those kind of markets that you say, okay, we'll go to it once, see what kind of tack they're selling. Oh, how nice. A little bit of a, a wooden carving or a, a little nutcracker here. Or I get a, 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 a cold coffee in a, in a cardboard cup. Lovely don't need to see it again but it seems like people who live on coronation street see that seems to be the the, the main hangout spot for them doesn't it that's because they sell drinks and food but and they're it's sick outside to, and it's cold they're absolutely bloody sick to death of speed dial and the bistro you're forgetting michael <laughs> you saying it's cold but actually this was september uh, what no, no they filmed this in i'm gonna say <laughs> early november they're gonna wet it's their pants when, they, when the precinct opens in a couple of weeks and it's they'll a, have a whole new place to go it's a very mild winter here. Yes. So I wouldn't mind standing outside eating a sausage in a bun. <laughs> Friday. This is still still the same day. Don't be fooled. Jenny and Stephen rush over. It's not dead yet. At the hospital, Stephen's telling the police that he just stepped into the way of the of the car, and the and the police are like, "Well, that's what the driver said," and they say, "Oh, well, it looks like he's going to be okay. We'll have to put him in an induced coma to protect his brain." And then we need to, we, now we need to know what the the next kin kin contact details are. And Jenny's like, yeah, I'll give you Leo's number. It's like, what? Can you not mention? You know, in, even even in passing here, you probably won't get hold of him because he's. No, I think they. I think she did mention that. I think well, she anyway. said that, and then she says, "I'll give it to you anyway," <coughs> even though like nobody's been asked been able to get in touch with him. Also, Jenny in this scene says, "Oh, I didn't realise that Teddy was a drinker." It's like. He, he, he was a little tipsy once, and already Jenny's tarred him with the same brush as, you know, Peter Barlow and yeah. that lot. Come on, it's Christmas, Jenny. It's Christmas, and you are in a pub. So, um, Jenny stays with Teddy, and Stephen's loitering, because um, he's 
He says, Jenny's like, well, why are you here? And he says, I'm always good at a crisis. Usually he's, he's the one causing, causing the crisis. It, yeah. <laughs> Jenny uh, leaves the two of them alone for a bit to go and do something. And then we have the classic... <laughs> I love these scenes. These are just brilliant. Reminded me of Pat feeling yeah. craning over Seb's bed. Stephen should have um, hovered over Teddy's. Uh, gone. It's me, Leo. <laughs> I'm your son. I've come to visit you, but I can't stay. <laughs> um, yeah, St- Stephen's like, sorry, sorry, mate. Last thing I want to do is kill you, but I kind of have to. Um, I-, I didn't mean to kill your son. It was an accident. And then he starts. I don't know. I can't remember how much he exactly gives away. Well, he says it was an accident. What happened to Leo? And then he he holds on to this breathing tube. I don't know what he thinks he's gonna do (laughs) because this thing is like right down Teddy's throat. I didn't know whether he was gonna sort of hoik that out or whether he was gonna just disconnect it. Or maybe he was just gonna squeeze it. Whatever it was, I'm sure there's probably like alarms set up. That, that would have maybe yeah. notified nearby nurses no, that think, somebody was doing something nefarious there? I think there. The, uh, the NHS level we're at at the moment is they just put a bell around your big toe and if it tingles, then you're <laughs> <It's> awake. <witches. laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we've, we've seen this. This is kind of a classic soap scene, isn't it? Somebody... Some guilty party. Somebody finishing someone off yeah. in the hospital. Like, I mean, it reminded a me a little secret. bit of... Um, what was his name? Um, John Mitchie played him and he killed Sunita. Um, Carl Monroe. He, he, he offed her in the hospital bed, didn't he? But I can't remember, I can't remember how he did that. Did he, strangle, did he strangle her or did he suffocate with a pillow a or something? It's usually a pillow move. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know whether he could have <coughs> actually done anything there. But, you know, he was caught up in the moment. He probably didn't think it through properly. Jenny comes in anyway yeah, and does, Stephen, Stephen stops. And, he, uh, and Jenny says... I've heard that coma patients can hear everything you say. <laughs> Stephen looks panicked like, again. Oh my god! Um, Adam and Sarah find Stephen in the pub later after they've left the hospital, and Adam gives Adam's like, "Call six fellas. You need to call six fellas." Jenny gets a phone call from the hospital, and they say Teddy's still stable, and if he makes it through the night, there's a good chance he he will recover. So Stephen calls six fellas out the back of the the pub, and it turns out the moped wasn't insured. <laughs> Stephen threatens to take them to court, but they're like, no, we'll give you £10,000 if you shut up. And he says, great, I'll have it by the end of the day tomorrow. And um, then he's going to leave the UK for good, he says. Right. So Stephen crashed his motorbike (coughs) because he was trying to escape a lane. He tells Adam that a six fellas motorbike drove into him and that's how he got his injuries. When Adam went to take them to court or sue them or whatever it is that lawyers do... He was under the impression that a motorbike had driven into him. But now they're saying the motorbike that you were driving wasn't insured. I, did, I don't I... think this is that far-fetched. I think what's happened is they, they got, they've realised they're in a bit of bother. If they go to court, they're going to get in as much trouble as Stephen would do because they haven't been on the up and up. I just think so it's... they're just giving him money to get rid of this situation. Yeah, I know. I just think it's a little bit convenient. Of course it is. For the, for the plot that this yes. moped wasn't insured and it, that's I, different though from mm. saying you don't understand what's going on. No, I understand it. I think I understand it. I just think it's a little bit too convenient for Stephen that these all of this has entwined its way all very nicely for him. Also, I kind of got the impression that Six Fellas was a bit of a you know not a massive franchise or anything like that. I I, don't, I would be surprised if they could just throw ten thousand pounds around willy nilly. But I guess you'd be surprised what do how I much know? it costs when you get taken to court. I guess so. 
guess so. So anyway, things are looking up for Stephen, and he's soon going to be out of the show, or so he thinks. Saturday, Gemma. New Year's Eve. He's reminding six fellas he wants his money today, and he says um, to Jenny, he can't come with her to the hospital because he's got some plans he can't get out of. Then he calls Sarah and Michael to the office, and he... Um, no, to the cafe. <coughs> to, <coughs> to the cafe, which is the go-to office for many a character on Coronation Street. And he says, um, right, I really believe in you and your business idea. Here's a list of potential suppliers so you can get started and stuck in. He kind of got all a bit teary on that scene, and then they didn't play into that anymore, did they? What was going on there? He's probably just... He's probably relieved. He's thinking, I'm getting, I'm getting out of it. And so he's being magnanimous because he's he, he can see the end in sight. I think, like, he doesn't hate his family either, does he? I don't no, think it's e- an easy thing for him to do, to swindle them, especially Sarah Louise. If you think about the fact that he's worked with Sarah for years and obviously has affection for her because she's his niece, mm. you know, he would want to see her, her thrive. Why would he not? Yeah. Tim surprises Sally with a fancy breakfast and she's very impressed Oh, is this the same story? I'll put it in the notes for this, but I don't know whether this is actually the same story. No. I'm going to say it's not. Money arrives in Stephen's account and he starts to book plane tickets and then Jenny comes into the pub and she's all upset. <coughs> she's like crying stuff. He's going, oh, that's the most horrible news. The swelling on Teddy's head has gone worse. He's got, he's, he may be brain dead and he might never wake up. And Stephen's like, get Brandy. Let's get her in the back room. And, um... She, she, you know, she gets sat down with a drink and, and she's like, how am I going to tell Leo if Daddy's, if Daddy's died? And Stephen's like, before he got knocked down, Teddy told me he saw Leo in Canada <laughs> and um, Teddy and Leo had a fight and Leo told him he didn't want anything to do with him or you ever again. And Teddy's like, why didn't you say this before? And he's like, um, 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 never mind that. <laughs> he's like, oh, I didn't, no, I think he said, oh, I, I thought that Teddy might come round again and it wasn't my story to tell. That's right, he said it wasn't my place, which I guess. <laughs> I guess it wasn't. that's very quick thinking. But, but Jenny yeah. says, thank you very much for looking out for me. Elaine's a bit miffed because uh, she wanted to have a drink with Stephen in the pub and Stephen's ditched her for Jenny. Uh, but he joins them and apologises and says, um... I'm going to be here for New Year's Eve and I I feel like I finally have something to celebrate. Don't ask me what it is. <laughs> yeah, so he, he pulls out of buying his plane tickets and his um, exit the UK strategy because he thinks that everything's, everything's coming up Stephen now, doesn't he? Well, the thing is, if this all goes carries on going to plan, he's, he's <clears> free and clear, isn't he? He can stay in the UK, he's got his job, he's got his, his money... And, uh, oh, hunky-dory. So, it's the countdown, it's midnight, everyone's in the street looking at the fireworks, and Coronation Street did a good job. The fireworks, they were real. They They did have real fireworks this year. They're they're not real, they did a better job than normal. They did a better job than that awful twinkling shooting star last week. So, Michael, they're saving the money for the CGI for something (laughs) else. They have, that's right, they couldn't do CGI fireworks because they needed some for the final scene. I appreciate it. I did like the, um... The midnight scene because they had like <coughs> little groups of characters like Stephen starts off he's talking to um is he talking to Elaine first or he's talking to Jenny I can't remember he, he goes through, oh yeah he talks to Je- Jenny first and, and he gets peck, peck on the cheek from oh. her mm-hmm. then he goes and stands next to Elaine but the camera kind of scrolls past other people like Evelyn's there isn't she yes. she, she hadn't appeared in the episode and we didn't know what was going on with her but there was also like a nice little bit of George standing next to um Glenda saying oh I'm so glad you're here sis so it was lovely and 
Dirk. I was I was eagerly watching everything that Dirk was getting up to on the New Year's Eve episode because he was standing around in the pub with um the Coney Party hat on his head, wasn't he? And it seems like he's pulled at the end of the episode. He's, he's got, running off. He's with got his a hand. woman. He's got a woman on his arm during the countdown, yeah. and then he he's kind of skipping around the street, dragging this woman off to who knows where. So um, <laughs> yeah, as a as a as a, a Dirk watcher, I did appreciate that. Yes. So um. He stands next to Elaine and he says, Happy New Year. I have a feeling it's going to be a good one. But then we cut, don't we? It's not the end of the episode. We cut to the hospital and uh, Teddy's there unconscious and we see his hand twitch and then his eyes burst open. And uh, just in case you wondered if he is alive or not, because sometimes (laughs) people open their eyes when they're still dead. um, We see see the... uh, (laughs) It's the, like, the ECG, the ECG readings or whatever his, like, it is. I don't know what it is. The heart The line thingy. on his eyeballs, which... The thing is, those weren't ever flat anyway, because he wasn't dead. <laughs> so what was the point? I hated that so much. I absolutely hated it. Why? Whoever what, did that, what whoever's made idea, them decide to please do that? don't do that again. We, it's like being spoon-fed. It's like we understand... Do you, do you really think that the viewers wouldn't get that he was awake? when his eyes opened. I, it, what was the purpose it's of it? It's clearly just for dramatic effect, but I, it just feels like somebody behind the scenes at Corey was like, oh, do you know what I'd look really smart? Is if, yeah, I, if no, we decided to put this in his eyes. And it, doesn't it just it doesn't. look stupid? It looks like, it looks like, um, a, it looks like a, you know, a cheesy Hollywood film from like lo- 1962. It really, it? really did. I mean, forgetting the fact that he wasn't lying opposite the monitor, so there's no reason that, that the... There's readings no, would have reflected it, in his eyes anyway. It wasn't actually a reflection, was it? It was It was literally symbolism. It was literally the symbolic... He's alive! It's a symbolic He's alive. projection. And Coronation Street has started doing a bit more dipping their toes into fantasy. And this, to me, was a fantastical thing, wasn't it? It wasn't based in reality. No. We've had... Um, you know, Rick Nealon appear as a ghost to Kelly, and that was symbolic. She, he was the manifestation of her, of her guilt and her thought processes because she didn't have anyone to talk to, and that was quite clever. But yeah, if, that was if, effective. But if that is going to be, if we're going to start going down the more surrealist kind of ways of telling a story like that, we, you've got to stop now because this is a. You've got to be not... careful about it, but it's it's when they use CG to do it that it really gets my goat, um, because you know Rick Nealon appearing over uh, appearing over Kelly's shoulder, you say okay, it's a ghost, that's quite you know and everything, but to watch it, it was well, still just a dramatic. Can I also scene. add it, there was also a narrative reason for it. Yeah, yeah. This was With no. This, re- it was, was just... completely pointless. It, it's it just like, oh, look what we can do. There. It, w- it wasn't even that impressive because anyone could do that. I could do. I could have knocked that up <laughs> even. So, so there was that. They had that. There was time. there was the shooting star last week. It's just you. You got to stop at Coronation Street. Honestly, it, I I appreciated the end of year dramatic scene, and that to be fair is something that Ian McLeod's Coronation Street has been quite good at doing. Because like last year, if I remember him rightly, the very final scene kind of came out of nowhere a bit, and it was Abby visiting Imran in his office and saying, I think I'm up the duff. And no, it didn't really... Well, no, it did go somewhere eventually, but well, it took a little while to did. get there. 
Um, so that was a cool like final twist of the year. And then and I think in the previous year, as the clocks um, told 12, it was Faye announcing to, I don't know, I'm going to say Craig, that it was her what bopped Adam on the head with the with the bottle. So it seems like this is something that Ian McLeod quite likes to do, of having a final scene of the year being a mega twist. And it has kind of left me with a, I don't know where this is going to go now. And it's I want to find out. This is what an end of episode cliffhanger should be, shouldn't it? Yeah. Because sometimes it's just, you know, a character saying, oh, but what are we going to do now? Giving a worried look and then the music starts playing. But So th- this was this was a fine final scene. Um, they just, uh, they really, really, really didn't need to do that stupid thing with the eyes and, and they've got to stop it. It's, it's tantamount to... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's on the same lines of putting in the silly music for, for no particular reason. But anyway, a um, little bit confusing because only a few hours before, the doctors had told Jenny he could be brain dead, but it seems like <coughs> he's fine now. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Because the, I, I have got absolutely no idea. I've not seen any spoilers. I very much doubt that there have been any spoilers about it because they, it seems like they wanted to be a bit of a surprise twist. Do you think that Teddy will be okay? Will he remember anything? Will he remember what Stephen is whispering to him? What what what's your theorizing? What do you I predict? think what's gonna happen is uh, Stephen's gonna panic and he's gonna try and get to the hospital as soon as he can. See see. Um... So is is Jenny gonna get phoned up by the hospital to say that he's come round? Yes, and perhaps they'll be necking on the sofa or something. I don't know whether she's forgiven him or not, but um, they'll rush to his bedside and there'll be a cliffhanger where. Teddy looks at Stephen and he says, "Like, ah, it's I've you. got. I, I remember something about. I you. remember. I remember what you did. And then it's going to be you pushed me in front of the car, and everyone will be like, no, no, Teddy, that's not what happened. You were drunk. And they'll be like, oh, okay. And then it will seem like he he can't remember anything, but then his memory will start coming back. What over like in tonight's episode or over the course of weeks? I just don't think. I think he's got away with this. I don't think Teddy's good. I think the Teddy's a red herring. Oh, so do I. I think that he's a Ted herring. Yeah, I'm convinced <laughs> now that that the re that there was a reason why Coronation Street made us know that Elaine gave Stephen a clue to her online banking password, mm. and that is going to come up somehow. And I can't think of a way it's going to come up without her being bumped off. No, I know. Uh, that, that's what I think. And I'm still... I, I really liked my roof box theory on the top of all yeah. these cars that Elaine's going to be crumbled but up inside buy, at some point. He can buy and a, I don't know a where. second-hand car now because he's got a £10,000. Has he got 10000 or has he got 22000 because... No, because he, I think he did give the money to, to... There's no reason to keep that money now because okay. it's going to ruin his... Um, he 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 doesn't want the money. He wants to cover his tracks, doesn't he? Mm. He doesn't need the money now because he's got the other money from. Yeah. Okay. That that makes sense. But he <laughs> he does have a job in the factory now, and as we all know, as soon as you get a job in the factory, the first thing you do is ask for an advance on your wages. Yeah. So uh, maybe you'll have a little bit more soon. But what's yeah, wrong okay. with What's wrong with buying a second-hand car? No, nothing. That's, that's in fact, maybe they're going to get his car and zoom to the hospital and beat Jenny there this today. Yeah. Maybe. I think you're right. I think that to have to have Teddy wake up and reveal that Stephen admitted that he murdered my son which he didn't he sort of almost did that's going to be like well that's the end of him then and I think that Coronation Street has got no intention of ending this storyline anytime soon not while Gabrielle and Elena are alive because I swear I'm I'm so surprised that, that Gabrielle didn't turn up 
Yeah. And we uh, something that we didn't mention last week, well we when we were talking about Gabrielle sitting in the car and all the rain was going next to her and everything. That was a that was a right wheel drive as well that she was sitting right. in. Right right hand, hand drive or whatever it's called. So unless she's got a funny backwards car over in Italy, she was definitely in the UK when she was making that phone call. So was it she turned up? I don't know. I don't I, but anyway, yeah, I think I think I, I, I think that Teddy's going to not remember anything. I'll tell you what's... I, here's my prediction. I know this is not the prediction show, but this is my prediction. Gabrielle is um, going to end up in a in a conversation, a confrontation between her, Stephen, and Elaine. Hmm. And, um, and this will be when Elaine blurts out that she's been controlling Stephen. Gabrielle's been controlling Stephen. Yeah. And this is when she will directly be confronted with this rumour that he's spread about her, Gabrielle. She'll be like, no, I'm not. Yeah, and she'll she'll either, you know, she'll, she'll try to run or something or mm. um, go and put the record straight. And once he's realised that she's going to do that, he'll have to kill her. Yeah, I, that 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 could that could work for me because I, there's definitely I just we've we've had their cards marked for a long time, mm. those two, and I think that there's definitely. Do you think he could kill both of them at once? He could do. I mean, he could kill one of them and the other <laughs> one sees it, so he has to bump them off as well. No, like, I'm thinking Phelan style with Andy and Vinny. Mm, <laughs> um, what about the fact that if if Teddy's not going to remember things, like is it going to be a conveniently you know, the, the bits that he doesn't remember because there's there's lots that he could remember. Like, he could remember Stephen whispering over him. He could remember what happened at the time that he stepped in front of the car. He could remember the fact that he went to Canada and he didn't see Leo. He could remember That's the fact true. that he found out that Leo didn't go to Canada. So it seems like, and I know that Coronation Street does like to do this, it's going to be very convenient if he happens to forget all of those useful okay. bits of information. Where's his memory, his handy soap amnesia, going to take him back? To. Here's my here's my idea then. He wakes up, he can't remember anything, and then he just dies because his condition worsens. Maybe I mean it. It could well be that he's a he's awake, but just you know can't speak. still brain still ra- rather vegetative. Yeah. I don't know whether people in comas who are brain dead have open their eyes and look out. I don't. Out. I don't know. They do on Corey. Let's say. It's it's just not very. I I don't want him to be speaking at all, really, because I think I'd quite, I quite I I need this. Maybe Stephen's he'd story have to, to like relearn everything, like how to walk and talk and. Yeah, and and it could be what it could well be that he can't remember anything now, but when they want to draw the storyline to a conclusion, they'll be like, many months time, oh, Teddy, Teddy just remembered. Yeah. Do you want to do? Do you want to say anything? Mm. You remembered anything? He's like, oh, I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah. Yeah, and uh, and as for Stephen, I don't know. If, he still seems to be um, getting quite close to Jenny, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. That seems seems like it's genuine. He he doesn't seem that interested in Elaine. She's the one that's fallen over him, isn't she? Yeah. So I I still I still like the idea of Stephen getting behind the bar of the Rovers just for a little bit for. A, Yep. Um, he's he's um, the other thing to bear in mind too with Elaine is that now she has. She said the house is too big for me, right? She's living. She's living um, in, in you know in the north. She's living in Manchester, in or in Salford, and the house prices in that area are actually seem to be a lot higher than the rest of the rest of the north, don't yeah. they? 
because well because it's a popular place yeah, to live it's, like it's proximity not, it's to not Manchester. like it's not like super super cheap cheap chip chips houses up there as people like to say so um how much is she sitting on in her bank account what is in that pot it's going to be 300 grand at i reckon at yeah. least and she's going to need a lot of that to buy another house but is that going to be too much of a temptation for Stephen? is he going to try and Grab more cash. Well, that's why I is, thought it was odd last gonna week. Is Gabrielle going to turn up again and say, I want more money. I know what you've been saying about me. I've heard you've been spreading rumours and you give me hush money now. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, I did say last week on the podcast it was odd how Stephen was trying to get away from Elaine because he was more interested in Jenny. But I think, there's yeah, like you're right, there's definitely more financially that could be gained with him lurking around Elaine a little bit Well, this bit is more. why it's an interesting... Um, dilemma here because he fancies Jenny but he wants Elaine's money so he has yeah. to suck up to both well he has to suck up to Elaine mm. <clears throat> and he can't alienate her by pursuing a relationship with with um <clears throat> with Jenny even though, though that's what he actually wants mm. I just I, I feel bad for because there, there's clearly I mean a, a lot of people a lot of viewers aren't enjoying this story and I, and I get it uh, but I, I kind of feel bad for those people because it seems like it's going to be running for quite a lot longer and I'm hearing all of the 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 criticism that's being levelled at Stephen and being levelled at, at Todd Boyce and about that he's not a particularly effective baddie and I, I, I get it to some extent I do I mean he's I he's, that's because you've never met him in the dark down an alley that's what I'm saying he he's not he's not going to go down I think as one of Curry's best most intimidating villains even when he was craning over um teddy in the bed there trying to be all all you know shady and everything he he, he, he wasn't he wasn't great but i think i'm it's mostly just the type of story that this is is what's keeping me hooked rather than the brilliantness of stephen because he, he yeah he's clearly no richard hillman he has no pat feeling is he mm. um and i don't think he's got the comic ineptness of John Stape either <clears throat> he's somewhere in between that does that doesn't quite work so I'm more more into it for the for the story rather than the characters I suppose which is bad because it's supposed to be all about the characters but um and what do, what do you think is it Steve, is Stephen as a as an effective villain are you are you kind of hearing the the criticism that's being levied against him do, do, do you I do you kind of feel it as well no you think he's all right the point of Coronation Street is not to create scary villains that you'll be terrified that could, you know, kill you in real life. It's it's about... The, the villains on Coronation Street are always pathetic, aren't they? There's always something pathetic and grovelly and desperate about them because you watch their descent into criminality from the beginning and it's always driven by some kind of need, isn't it? You know? Mm. So it's usually financial, and um, Stephen fits very well into the the evil businessman trope of Coronation Street that is created over the years. So I, I don't need him to be like the Terminator. I prefer a villain like this, where and I also think that they're quite scary because you know Stephen, if he gets cornered, he'll do anything. He'll kill you. He may look like a bit of a pathetic, snivelling guy because he's you know whining on about not having any money and doing his small beans fraud stuff with people, but he'll kill you. Yeah, but he's not, he wouldn't do it on purpose. 
Do you not? But that's always what happens. I don't know. We it, listen. Yeah. That's always what happens to Coronation Street villains. They <laughs> always start off the accidental death and then it escalates. And this is, I guess, what it would be like if, if these were real people. You start off, you push the boundary every time. Every time you push push it further and further until it becomes commonplace to you and, and it's not a bit, as big of a deal. Mm. I just, like I, I would like him to be a little bit more sinister, but I'll, I'll take him as he is. <laughs> it's part, partly it's the voice and a lot, a lot of people are making fun of his voice and, and, and saying, I just can't take him seriously with that accent. That doesn't particularly bother me. It doesn't but bother I, me at all. I think I, it's great. I did, I did find it funny when they had that factory scene when he's talking with, uh, with, with the girls there and then was it Beth and, um, and Sean making fun of his accent afterwards and, uh, and is it Beth saying, oh, Sally, you're such a lifesaver. So he's clearly, you know, the fact that he's, his voice and everything has been mocked by the factory girls means we're not supposed to be taking him fully, fully seriously. I but... don't think anyone expects me to to be faced with a murder, murder storyline on Coronation Street and turn around and go, I don't like this. I think it's too dark. I don't. I think it's far-fetched, et cetera, et cetera. This is my favourite sort of storyline mm. on Coronation Street. I'm fully on board. I love the fact that he's he's the villain. I I'm just loving I just love it I want to see him kill again that's and that's he the was main so thing. we were so close and um but I kind of want him to kill somebody that people like mm. well I that I'd... will be a big test because he killed Leo nobody cared about Leo he was gonna kill Teddy nobody cares cares about Teddy would people be upset if he killed Elaine. No, I don't think so. I was, I, I, although, although I, I mean, I'm desperately trying to avoid spoilers. They're all over the place yes. at the moment. And I'd seen that something was going to happen with Teddy on that Thursday episode because I'd seen like a half of a sentence that says Stephen looks over Teddy's unconscious body or something. So I kind Where of built. Where are you seeing this? I, I don't, I don't even remember. Um, but I, I kind of built up in my head something a lot more dark and sinister and exciting than what actually happened. Well, and obviously I fault. thought that he'd been responsible for it. Yeah, yeah I know, it's totally my fault. Um, so it was a bit of a shame that it was just, oh, just stepping in front of a, a van, like, you know, because Coronation Street has done that in the past, haven't they? There was um, Duncan, that, that evil guy that sent Sally to prison, he ended up stepping out in front of a van yeah, you know, in a similar surprise. A um, but, yeah, I, 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 I hope he's going to actually take some divisive action soon and then just just do it here's my question is jenny in danger i don't think so i'm enjoying that she's being strung along for the ride jenny needs to be in the storyline she desperately needs it and so to have have steven there as part of that storyline yeah yeah I'm, i'm i'm all for that um, okay, let's let's move on to the next story then. Um, so this is the Todd one that you said you weren't so interested in. Um, and it's kind no, of on the back of the sofa stuff from last week. See, this is the funny thing. Right, this is this to me is like uh, the antithesis of this uh, Stephen storyline. It couldn't be more different, right? But this is the sort of thing I just can't be bothered with. And uh, But I guess this is the bread and butter of soaps. And is this what people want to see? But there was a murder involved in this storyline as well, potentially. I know, that's, Todd... the, that's the most interesting thing about Lawrence is that he might have killed his, his wife. But I don't think he has. 
And uh, but I, if he has, if he has, he's done it in a very stupid way because he's managed to kill a millionaire heiress and not get any cash out of it. <laughs> but no, I thought he did. I thought he did. Has. He? Well, this, this don't is, forget, this Michael. Is theory. There were great swathes of this show. I was unconscious for <laughs> at various points without meaning to. No, Todd has brought up the idea that Lawrence bumped um, Lindsay yes, off so that he could get some of that sweet sweet yes, life insurance. Uh, of money. course, but he hasn't seemingly got that money, has he? I we don't haven't know. seen any evidence of that. No, well, I don't know. He's not open. His checkbook. Yeah. That's not what that wasn't my point. Okay, right. So let I, I actually find myself enjoying this a lot more than I thought I would, and not necessarily because of the whole murder mystery bit of it either. But let's see what happens. So, um, Todd, Sean, and, and and Lawrence and Dylan have come back from the Peak District, having had a lovely trip there. Todd's like not interested at all about it because he's he's still got the hots for Lawrence, hasn't he? And um, he ends up winding left alone in the house with Lawrence later on. And, and Lawrence says, look, we need to have a chat. I've got a feeling that you're not my biggest fan and I want to change your mind about it. So Lawrence at this point just seems to think that Todd's got a problem with him rather than what seems to be the actual truth, which is that Todd has got a problem with him going out with Sean when he wants him himself. And um, Todd kind of agrees to sit and have this chat with him and they get on with a ha- like a house on fire and Todd's like, oh, maybe we should open a bottle of wine. So he's clearly... He's done this before to other guys. He's got his heart set on, um, uh, what's the word? Somethinging Lawrence. Cheating. He's, he's got his... Free, uh, Romancing. Uh, what are you talking about? This, Snogging? No, uh, th- that'll do. Winning him over? Just, uh, Stealing uh, him? Yeah. No, no, what are you getting at? Uh, yeah, that'll Shagging do. Shagging him? That, uh, f- that, that'll do. Canoodling with stop him? Stop it. It's not well, I've I... got no idea what you're trying to say. Luring him in, I don't know. Um, so anyway seducing seducing that's the word I'm thinking thank you very much romantically luring seducing (laughs) (laughs) and um, so Todd um, Todd ends up going in for a kiss with him and he he does actually kiss him doesn't he but Lawrence very quickly pulls away and is like what the hell are you doing I'm not a cheater Uh, and Todd says oh I just you know I felt the vibe you're the one that was coming on to me and Lawrence says no there was no vibe going on here no chemistry between us tell you what Sean warned me about you this is what you do to guys well I'm not having any of it mister I'm out of here and Todd's I'm kind of Todd's left um, kind of feeling a little bit silly there and um, Lawrence goes over to Speed Dogs he's got a dinner with Sean there and he ends up telling him exactly what happened so Sean towards the end of the episode storms up to Todd in the Christmas market calling him a slut back I loved it I loved what that. he's done which is nice and he says right you stay away from the pair of us so things completely went off in a different direction than I was expecting in today's episode like I was expecting this to be a Todd and Lawrence have a secret affair sort of storyline and it has not gone that way in the slightest I also love the fact that Todd's ego can't handle this so he sets about trying to ruin Lawrence because he wouldn't yeah Todd thinks I always get what I want doesn't he but he doesn't always I don't know whether it's even that conscience conscious though I think he's like oh this man must be something wrong with him if he doesn't fancy me. He must be, he must be twisted in some way. I need to find out what's going on with him. Who could resist Todd? I want to know whether he uh, had flashbacks of that time we tried to kiss Nick. The, yeah. Uh, wrong move, Todd. <laughs> <coughs> because that was very much the same thing, wasn't That's it? What he I was, was picking up on some vibes, apparently. So he is, this is totally within his MO. Who was to... it that told him his gay doll was broken? That, that was Lawrence. Well, it is. It totally is. It's, it's probably faulty. Um, so anyway... Thursday's episode, Todd's trying to make up with Sean 
Um, ends up with getting his breakfast chucked all over him. And Mary says, yeah, you deserve that, mister. Um, and Todd's still insistent at this point that Lawrence was flirting with him too. But Sean's like, no, not having any of this. I don't believe that Lawrence would do that. This was all you. This is totally your sort of, your way of doing things. Yep, I'm, it's your I'm, major operandi. I, I am having nothing to do with you. Um, so then we have a little scene later in the cafe with Lawrence and, um, I think this must have been Sean, I've not written it down, I assume it was. He's, um, he's opening up about what's been going on with him recently. Apparently today is the anniversary of his wife's death and he's all very sad and, and weepy about this. Um, and he's like, I need, I need to get some flowers for my, my, my in-laws, the Van Cleefs. And um, so he he um, he gets chatting to Mary about it, and she's all kind of caught up in the tragic romance of it all. And um, she she's going to take the the flowers to the to the Van Cleefs. And uh, Sean comes in at the end, and there's a nice little handholdy shot between him and him and Lawrence. Then in the pub later, Mary's going on to Rita about delivering these flowers and she's all caught up in the excitement that she's delivered these flowers to these really posh people. And uh, Rita says, oh yeah, I've, I've heard of the Van Cleefs uh, quite handily. They used to publish the Gazette and things. And oh, I remember something about their daughter and she died in tragic circumstances. Can't remember too much about it. <laughs> she should have said, oh, Ray, Ray, Mary, if you buy me another G&T, maybe that might help. Yeah. <laughs> help lubricate the old brains sales there um she says oh it was an accident while they were abroad and todd's there here again as well uh, and then the friday's episode which is as we said earlier later that day um todd has gone off and done a little bit of digging into Lindsay's death and he tells george that he found out that she fell to her death during a swiss hiking holiday and terrible. todd's like hey, maybe she just hates hiking and she jumped well, this was obviously another Christmas Day mountain disaster, like Billy falling off the cliff. Yeah, it's but, easy um, to do. Yeah, and old Danny Dyer going over into the water last week as well. But Todd says, oh, this is all very suspicious. I reckon that Lawrence pushed her to cash in on the life yeah, insurance. Yeah, why not? This is a soap. Because she, she realised... No, he realised he was gay and he's got himself caught up in this marriage that he's not into. So what else would you do but push your wife else. off of a mountain? I don't think you can do anything else. No, this is what Henry VIII <laughs> should have done to Catherine of Aragon, what, really. come out as gay? No, just pushed her <laughs> off a mountain. It's like, I can't get a divorce from the Pope. Fancy his hiking holiday, dear. Do you want to go to Switzerland? Yeah. And George says, look, don't be so stupid. This was a tragic accident, Todd. So he goes to the pub later to tell Sean about Lindsay, this wife. But um, Sean's like, no, I'm not interested in anything you've got to say. Well, Lawrence, uh, he, he won't even let him say, will he? Lawrence will tell me when he's ready, Well, he says, says, well, Todd goes, do you want to know how, he, how she died? Because it's very suspicious. He's like, no. No, no, don't want to know. You're just jealous. Lawrence is my boyfriend, not yours. That's that. But Sean, the, uh, the gossip monger, is like, I can't help it. I need to know the gossip, even though it's about my boyfriend. So he eventually cracks and goes into Todd's booth and to, to find out what happened. And um, he thinks that Todd's story, his theory about Lawrence pushing her off the mountain is absolutely ridiculous. He says, look, you just go around destroying people's relationships. You see a couple and destroy it. That's what we should call you, the couple destroyer. And Todd's like, that's, 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 that's not very That snappy. doesn't roll off the tongue. Should have got Michael to help you with that one. I preferred slut bag. Yeah. He says, nobody wants you, Todd, you're toxic. Um, later on, Lawrence comes around to number 11 to see Todd and says, look... Get your nose out of my business. My late wife's passing is nothing to do with you or anyone else's. It's just me. So bugger off, basically. He tells Todd, 
you bet you've never even lost anyone anyway. And no, Todd's he like, doesn't say that. He says, have you ever lost anybody? Yeah, he says it in a way as <coughs> to, to say, I bet you haven't, so I you don't know either. what I'm going through. And Todd's like, well, I've no. been on this show for 20 years, actually, so yeah, of course so I have. Stuff's happened to me. So many no, deaths. The, the impression I got from Lawrence was he was desperately trying to connect with, with Todd to make him understand what he's going through, rather than okay. <coughs> trying to trying to say, oh, I, only I have ever suffered. It genuinely seemed, in that moment, to, to be an, kind of a nice person. Okay. And he was sort of saying, is there any commonality here? Do As human beings, can we respect each other in any sense at all? Because so, this is a very tragic thing that's happened to me. Yeah, so Todd brings up the old chestnut of, oh, yeah, my son, Billy. Remember that reminds him? me. I had a son called Billy. He died. But we like to talk about him every couple of years. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, he died, and that was tragic. That was before I knew that I was gay with Sarah. And Lawrence says, oh, so you didn't know that you were gay straight away, did you either? Hmm? Um, and, and also, you don't get start going out with your boyfriend and immediately go, right, let me tell you all about my dad's son. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And he's like, I just, I don't trust you, basically. Um, you're missing Lawrence's point he's basically saying yes I didn't tell Sean how my wife died you you go around telling everybody how your son died it's a personal tragedy it's got nothing to do with you keep your nose out and um, I could tell you how my wife actually died and what happened but I'm not going to because I don't trust you see you later bit. I would have thought that when um, the whole thing came out about him having been married the last month whenever it was it might have come up in conversation then like Sean might have said what well, what, what happened with her? Where's she up to? I, I don't know. But anyway, that that was basically it. There was a little bit on Saturdays when um Sean um takes himself out to the back when when Todd comes into the Rovers and Todd follows him and um along with the help of little fairy godmother Glenda they uh, they they manage to make amends and they clink glasses before the the bells chime for midnight. So it's kind of a bit of a yeah a bit of a truce towards the end of the episode, but I, I think this isn't the last we've heard of this. Sean should never have agreed to make peace with Todd because Todd's a, Todd's a snake, isn't he? I'm kind of glad that evil Todd's not too far away because Todd's really um, has been rehabilitated in a kind of similar way to, to Tracy, where you wouldn't... Re if you watched the show now, you wouldn't know half of the backstory of that mm. character and how manipulative and evil he is, but... But this really is... Yeah, I wouldn't, is yeah, I wouldn't say Todd is you know, evil and certainly not as, as villainous as the likes of Tracy, but he is, you know, out, out for number one and he has tried to steal other people's boyfriends before. I remember, I can't remember who it was. Was it like Marcus he tried to steal before as well? Yeah, it was. He ended up bonking Marcus on the floor of that show home, didn't he, so when why, he was going out with Maria. So, so if I was Sean, I'd be like, um, no, I'm not going to make friends with you. What would you have done? If you'd slept with Lawrence, would you have carried on cheating? behind my back with him would you have tried to see them off me completely like sean's sean's had just so much trouble trying to find love and he found a guy that he likes and then and then todd comes along and he thinks just because he fancies him he's got the right to steal him off he's like ne todd's never developed um a like sense of morality and he's never developed as a person to stop doing this why would you trust him i, I he has shown glimpses of it like you said he's not been in recent years quite so Manipulative Only because he, he hasn't had, had a reason to. Mm. I well, I thought that this was kind of refreshingly magnanimous of Sean. Actually, no, he's a sucker. He is. A, he is a bit of a sucker with it. But what do you what do you think Todd's going to do now? Is he going to start going after going after Lawrence again? I wonder if he's going to uncover something else that he didn't that, that Lawrence doesn't want him to find out. 
Maybe That's because I'm related to. I don't. I don't buy that Lawrence actually Lawrence pushed hasn't killed Lindsay off the mountain. No. And and to be honest, the fact that Todd jumped to that conclusion it seemed a bit suspicious. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's like I don't think that you would naturally <coughs> think of that. Was he just looking for a reason to? I think he was just trying to create trying drama. To, or was he trying to save face? Like he got he got shamed. Yeah. Um, because he was expecting to, to, to Lawrence to reciprocate. He didn't. So he was left with egg on his face. So he was just desperately trying to find something that's going to make Sean suspicious of Lawrence. Um, but no, I, 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 I liked how Sean forgave him. It was quite nice. The, the whole of the New Year's episode that wasn't to do with Stephen being Lloyd Turey was kind of pleasant with all the all the end of year celebrations and everything and the and the making fun of Sally for having her wheeze out in the street and everything last week and, and this was similarly it just like made me feel okay that's quite nice but I don't I think Todd would be quite stupid to pursue Lawrence because he's clearly showed he's not interested but I don't know whether he's going to be like nobody turns me down and try again or do you I don't know but yeah I, I was honestly when a couple of weeks ago if you were to ask me what's going to happen with these two I'd have said that they would well I probably did say um, that they'd be at it on that sofa on Christmas day and Lawrence is gonna yeah have a secret affair with Todd but I think it was fantastic that they made him say no and, and I up until this week I was fairly um, opinionless towards Lawrence and yeah, some of what he did this week made me actually like and respect him as a character a lot more. Makes me think his days are numbered. Well, possibly. But I even, think yeah. Like even even that scene in the in the florist shop where he was holding hands with Sean, where they they absolutely didn't need to do that, and they often don't show the nice lovey doveyness between couples. It's all about raunchy sex and everything. And so uh, the the fact that they're building this relationship with with Lawrence and Sean into being something quite sweet, which Sean is very much overdue anyway, um, it's 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 lovely, really. What were you What were you gonna say? I think what's gonna happen is Todd and Sean are gonna stoke these paranoid theories between each other, and Todd is going to make Sean do something that will make Lawrence want to dump him and that's what will happen i I'm todd's not... gonna convince sean to like go sniffing about for some more information about this wife and and, and get poison in his ear about well why hasn't mm. he said anything you know you've, you've been close enough it seems strange to me that you you wouldn't he hasn't said anything to you and uh you know where's all this money gone is he um what contact does he have with these in-laws so and so and so and so and then sean's brain will start ticking and he'll start wondering and then he'll end up snooping somehow and get caught by lawrence and then lawrence will be like right bye i'm out of here well i don't know how much evidence that you'd actually be able to find if somebody shoved somebody off a mountain there were no witnesses and he was completely nothing, yeah. you know there, there's nothing to find is there so um i don't know i don't know i i yeah i enjoyed this i i thought that there was a bit, I can't remember who, was it Sean said to Todd, oh, you're almost my brother, I can't believe you do this to me. And I just, yeah, I just thought that was lovely because they have been together as a family on and off for the last 20 years and I thought that um, thought that was thought that was nice. Anyway, um, yeah, better than I thought for this story. Um, <laughs> just before we move on, when there was... 
lots of great stuff with Glenda this week, including um, her chat with Jenny and Daisy about which film stars that she fancied. And was it Glenda who reckoned that Benedict Cumberbatch was dirty underneath that Sherlock costume or something? But one of my favourite Glenda-related things that happened this week was... Uh, when Todd said to her, oh, you work on a cruise ship, do you? That's weird. You never mention it. When she starts going on about one of her cruise stories again. Thought that was quite funny. Yes, she is quite funny. I thought that was funny that Todd said. Yes. he. Fine. Fine. <laughs> right. Summer, Gemma. Over to you. You've tricked me into doing the I've summer story. I've tricked you. Then. You have to do the summer story. Yes, it is back <clears> this week. Oh, why did she go away for longer? On Wednesday... Billy's worried because Summer's not letting... The, well, he can't get hold of this glucose information from the app. Mm. That's kind of resolved quite quickly as I've run out of data. I guess... Really? Is that a thing that still happens? Well, if she's in charge of paying for her own phone, it will be. But I don't know why she is. No, I don't know. Anyway, but... Yeah. <clears throat> if I was Billy, I'd be paying for her phone. If it, if it's for... If it's in if it's an important part of med- of monitoring her medical... Yeah. Thing, then I would be paying for it until she had a proper job, mm. and she did have a proper job until recently. So maybe that's what happened. But yeah, how has she gone from? I presume the thing. Yeah, it's just you. You wouldn't. You, you wouldn't risk it, would you? You'd mm. have it. You'd have her on a contract. Yeah. And how has she managed to cancel that contract within uh, like a week of going? Let's not think about that. Too right. Much. Anyway, so he tells Aaron he can't find this information. He gets worried too. Then we find out where Summer is. She turns up at Esther and Mike's house and they she's got um, a little envelope with money in. She's like, Hello, I brought you some money. It's still not enough, but it's a start. It's like, oh, shut up, Summer. You know they're going <laughs> to give it back to you. you <laughs> I've just little... had a Christmas job and I've been right, living in a hostel. Okay, right. So, so I sit... turn up to your mansion. I sit down, Summer. Here's a question for you. Are you earning more? working as a, a Christmas job and living in a hostel than you were working in Underworld and living rent... Well, live, I don't know how much rent you paid. You, is it better financially for you? No, it isn't, isn't it? You're just being dramatic and stupid, <laughs> like usual. Sit down and shut up. I didn't really hear what she said. That's basically the noise that she was making. And they're like, look... If I was there, I'd be like, I don't think I want these jeans in my kid. <laughs> Pathetic. They say, um, <laughs> I like this little uh, insight into their lives. You know what? Our Estonian cleaner had to leave because of Brexit and I hate doing the oven. So why don't you live here and be our slave? And that she's like, oh, so, oh, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> and um, Mike's like, yeah, let's get a baby in you. <laughs> <laughs> and Alice is like, shut up, don't. Don't, uh, don't, don't scare play her your off. cards too soon, um, Mike. There's no rush, Summer. You just uh, clean the oven now, please. <laughs> off you go, Cinders. We're going to the ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, on Thursday, of course, Esther's baking bread. Yeah. Carol's and... piping in on the radio. What uh, an idyllic scene it paints at Esther and Mike's house. And, and Summer's there asking if they can talk to the sister about this surrogacy storyline. <laughs> and then Billy turns up. Hooray. Turns out Friday... Esther called him and they talk about surrogacy and everyone thinks it's a great idea except Billy. And he's like, look, we won't rule anything out, but why don't you come home with me? You don't need to stay here, do you? And someone says, no, I've made my decision. I'm, I'm staying here and I'm having their baby. So, um, oh no, she goes home with Billy. I yeah, no, she yeah, stays... she, 
she doesn't stay with her. No. So she goes back with him, and Paul Paul can, comes in and he senses the tension there. And and Summer goes and has a bath, and Billy says she's still going on about this surrogacy, and um, but I'm going to pretend to be on her side so that I can try and dissuade her at a later point. So on Saturday, um, everybody convinces Summer to go to Amy's New Year's party because, uh, of course, she's the life and soul of the party. It wouldn't be the same without Summer there. <laughs> can you imagine how much... party don't start till Summer arrives? No, exactly. So um, Billy, uh, Billy's like, yeah, you should go. You should go. And um, he tells Paul, like, if maybe if we, um, I was like, maybe if she enjoys being a teenager or a young adult, she might realise that she doesn't want to get pregnant. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe he's hoping that she'll get knocked up there and it will be too late for Mike to. Yeah, you know what these anything. teenage parties are like. Oh, definitely. Um, Jacob and Aaron uh, bringing beers to the party, and Ash is like, uh, well, you should go and make up with Aaron. Um, but then she sees another girl going to kiss him, and she's like, oh no. <laughs> Aaron finds outside and they have a little soppy reunion and Summer says, oh, we're back together, I guess, or something. But I'm still going to have Mike and Esther's baby. <laughs> the end. The end. Oh, they're back together again. How <coughs> lovely. Are they? Well, Is it... that what happened? Yeah, yeah, they had a snog. They had okay. a soppy, right, snoggy reunion. Then. So... <sighs> okay, she's still doing the surrogacy. Who cares? Next. Uh, Let's move on to the next story. Honestly, there's no, nothing more nothing to say. Nothing much happened. She's she back. wants to do this, and Probably it's not clear now again. as to why she wants to do this. I, I, I'm not sure whether Mike and Esther have put any pressure on her uh, beyond just, just saying, look, stop giving us damp envelopes of money soaked in tears and snot. She just wants to be a do-gooder. She's fallen for their, their pleas. And, uh, and I just don't think she understands half of what she, what is expected of her. They need and to what do what will happen to her. Yeah, they're they're doing a better job of than Stephen of of not giving away, not playing their cards because he's he's like looks mega dodgy, doesn't he? And they're you know keeping up the facade a little bit better. Yeah. Anyway, um, the Roy storyline, the bad reception storyline. So last Honestly, last this week is at Christmas, nothing in it. This is a bit of nothing, but it, it feels like it's very clearly pointing towards something that's going to be happening. So he got a mobile phone for Christmas, and we just thought that was a funny thing to happen on the Christmas Day episode. But um, no, Nina keeps banging on about it. He he goes off to help at the charity shop. Um, on Wednesday's episode but he didn't come back for a long time and Nina and co are starting to get a bit worried about him and he's like oh yes there was an altercation on the bus oh there was you know, people getting in fights and then the bus driver was getting involved and somebody was tweeting something or other and he's like sorry I didn't contact you to let you know um, and she's like if, if you'd had your mobile on you with you Roy you could have told me this we could have sorted it in seconds and I'd have known where you were and I know how you feel about phones and everything and he's like, yes, they turn people into zombies. Um, and she says, look, you're just being pig-headed about this, Roy. You, you, get, your, get your phone up and running, mate. Thursday, she's still mad at him and she can't understand. She said, you, the thing with you, Roy, is that you're usually really interested in science and technology and stuff. Why aren't you into smartphones? Can't you see how much easier life with a phone would be? And he's like, no, 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 no. He's just totally stubborn about this. Um, and in fact, he then re-gifts it onto Sam, which obviously the very moment that he's handing it to Nick is when Nina comes into the cafe and finds out what he's doing. Rude. Yeah. Um, Friday, still banging on about phones, saying, Roy, you're tiresome and pompous. But um, they, and then she reminds him, 
don't forget about your bat watching thing you're going to tomorrow. He's not in the WhatsApp group. He's not in the bat watchers WhatsApp group, no, isn't he? Well, why doesn't he put it on his laptop? Yeah, that's a very good point. You can you can just do WhatsApp on your laptop, can't you? Uh, and Saturday, there's this thing about Roy saying he's got a secret and he's going to reveal it tonight. And I thought this was going to be something like an, a, a huge secret. Like, oh, I wonder whether this has been put in the synopsis. I wonder whether this is going to be a massive re- revelation for Roy and it's going to kick off a Roy storyline for the new year. But it just turns out to, that he's been studying for his volunteer bat-roost visitor qualification for the past few years. And I think everybody sitting around the table in the booth were just as <laughs> let down by this revelation as uh, as the viewers were and and that's kind of that's kind of it that all that happens with Roy isn't there how where are you on this do you think that he ha- he's in the right to say no I don't want a phone or do you think he's been a bit a bit too ungrateful if it's starting to impact on the quality of life of other people that you refuse to avail yourself of a modern convenience then yeah I think you are a bit out of order I think that he was, I think he's got every right to say, no, I don't want a mobile phone. And it, 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 it's only impacting on the lives of people that, you know, that he's near to because storyline dictates this way. I mean, clearly this is leading up to a story where there's something mega dramatic that's going to happen. And, oh, if only Roy had his mobile phone and then he'll maybe realise, oh, OK, maybe I will have a mobile phone. That that's obviously what's going to be going on here, but I just think he was being a massive ass, like not giving it the time of day and saying no, I don't even want to try it. Gifting it on to somebody else straight away afterwards is just bloody ungrateful. I say it's very rude, and um, you know his, his arguments don't make sense either. He's saying, oh, it turns you into a zombie. I say I stand here and I watch everybody in here, and they're just sitting on their phones and not talking to each other. It's like, well, don't do it that then. Yeah, you know, you're in charge of how you use your own phone. Phones can be a force for good, like they can be glucose monitors <clears throat> and things. I'm sure there must be. I can't remember. He said that there was some kind of um, astrology app or something that when he was passing it on to Nick, he said, "Oh, there's an app on here about the stars that Sam might be interested in." I just think he's yeah, he is being utterly pig-headed about it. But yeah he's got every right to it but he's just being he's just being really nasty to to nina but i suppose it does fit with roy's personality that he doesn't realize he, yeah he doesn't realize what he's saying and that he's being quite so rude about it but anyway um i i guess this is going to be leading to something very soon i did i did appreciate the scene that they had with him phoning up nick every time roy picks up a phone I'm like, mm-hmm. they better have him say who it is. It's Roy, Roy Cropper. <laughs> mm-hmm. they did it. And even at the end of the phone, because does he leave a message for Nick or something? And he ends the conversation saying, it's Roy Cropper, by the way. So that was funny. I also enjoyed the bit where he was talking about um, his favourite film being Doctor Strange Love. And he, and he does the gentleman you can't fight in here. This is a war room quote. And he's like, oh, most amusing. I thought that was funny. Gemma, you obviously want to move on to the next storyline. So what's Peter and Carla been up to? And this does kind of also include stuff with Sally as well. I didn't really know where to go with this, but what have we got next? Thursday. Sally's still in Carla's bad books because Sarah dubbed her in the other day about talking about Carla behind her back. And so Sally tries to brown nose a little bit, but it doesn't get her anywhere. And um, Carla calls Sally to our office. He wants to talk to her at four o'clock. And then Peter says, I'm working on New Year's Eve because um, it's more money. And she's upset and um, she wants to be wined and dined. And he's like, well, it's a bit of a tough day for me, so I'm not going to, I want to work. On Friday, which is the same day, 
Sally comes to see Carla with a tail between her legs and Sally, and um, Carla's trying to get to the truth about what she's been saying about her behind her back. And Sally says, well, maybe, maybe I said you were ruthless, but that's a quality, isn't it? And Carla says, okay, well, you can go, but don't talk about me when I'm not around ever again. And then Sally does this weird little bow. She does a little Liz Truss-esque. Um, kind of. It, 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 they, I reckon that, I can't remember when this was written or filmed or anything, but if I was them, I probably would have played more into making it like an exact copy of the Liz Truss curtsy, just, just for the lols. But Anyway, so she, she leaves with a tail between her legs and um, Carla thinks this is funny. Because <clears throat> she is a sociopath, apparently. Carla comes into the rovers later and she offers to buy Sally a fair drink. No hard feelings. They talk about New Year's Eve and Faye's like, I'm going to an 80s night in town. And Carla's like, oh, I wish I could go to an 80s night. I'm going to be alone. Carla goes and sees Peter in the cab office and he says, look, you moaned about it. So I've got New Year's Eve off now. And she's like, hooray. And then he says, let's stay in and watch a film. She's like, what? What do you mean? And, and he says, I, I don't really want to go out being surrounded by alcohol all night. And she says, oh, fine, yeah, whatever, we'll watch a film, all right. On Saturday, Mary's going around inviting everybody to the Rovers uh, for the for the New Year's Eve party. And she comes across Peter and Carla. And Carla's like, oh, sorry, we can't come because Peter's got some something big planned for the day. And um, in Speed Dial, Peter's going on about capitalism and how it's, like, inherently evil and barter systems are... He doesn't understand that a barter system is literally the precursor to capitalism and that the reason why we have currency is because you couldn't necessarily have anything. Like, say you wanted honey off someone, but you didn't have a cow to swap, but you did have some coins. That's mm. where it came from. I don't think he's... It's not that he's he doesn't not thinking understand. It, he doesn't seem to understand that barter system is literally the precursor to using currency and he's also confusing the use of currency with capitalism i think he he does under because i don't you think can he still un- use you can still use currency in a socialist society i don't think he's seriously saying everybody it's should go back to rubbish. the system. and it's quite funny because he's not drunk I, I don't think he's seriously saying that he thinks that the whole world should run on a barter system, but he's just kind of... he. We've, we've seen over the past year that this is this very, very kind of lefty direction is where he seems to be heading it and following the, the Mr Thorne story. And um, I think he's just kind of having a bit of fun with it. I don't know. He just seems to be moaning about everything and that really... But, you know, everyone does that. And, Carla, and there's obviously the conflict there with him <clears> and Carla because she says, oh, I'm all about capitalism, me. That's basically my bread and butter. Well, she runs a business. Of yeah. course she... Everybody does. And, anyway, so he's he's moaning on about is a, somewhere in Norway or something where they swap cows for butter or something. And uh, Carla says, if you can barter this onion bhaji up to getting a motorbike, I'll buy you the leathers. So in the pub later, he does manage to swap an onion bhaji for a pen. Yes. Because Brian was hungry. Stage one complete. <clears throat> and this reminds me of that... Um, that internet thing where that guy swapped a paperclip all the way up to getting a house. Oh, yeah. He did, didn't he? Yeah. So, I, I mean, is this going to be... Is, is this what we're going to be seeing throughout 2023 for Peter, do you think? I think that it could be a fun sort what, of... like a subplot of him just... Yeah. Like, next thing you see, he's got this pen and he's swapping it for something else. I'd, I'd love That'd to see... That would be quite see. funny, actually. 
It seems like they're setting it up for this. It's, it can't be just like a one day thing, surely. But I mean, the the fact that they've brought Peter and Carla back into it for this last week of 2022 makes me think that they've maybe got a proper storyline brewing. And, you know, she's clearly not satisfied with the um, the lack of excitement in her relationship with Peter and everything. So I was wondering, oh, was she going to have an affair or something like this? Or blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, if, if in the background to all of this drama... We also have Peter's Peter, quietly yeah. you know, tumbling or, along. Or or just, you know, not even as part of the story. I just love it. As if it was like almost um you know, a background reference. Every every now and then you'd catch it's like a where's wallet, you'd catch Peter in the in the pub trading something for some someone else. And maybe if they didn't even make a thing of it. That'd be quite funny. And at the end of the year, he's got a new house for them to live on or something. No, he's got some motorbikes. Oh, yeah, his motorbike. That's the thing, isn't it? I, I just think that would be a really fun subplot to have. But, yeah, it, it, uh, I, I don't think that that can be a main plot for a year. Do you, do you get in the vibes that Carla is um is starting to look elsewhere or is going to? <clears throat> There's definitely the this kind of incompatibleness between the two of his limitations because of his alcoholism and not wanting to be tempted and her who's you know wants to go out boozing yeah it's it's difficult because neither of them are wrong it seems a bit stupid to to sort of be dating an alcoholic and be like where are we going for new year's eve yeah it felt a bit like conflict for conflict's sake because I, i actually think that peter and carla do seem like they fit quite nicely together you know, they, they, they seem like a good match and when they're hanging off each other and everything, it feels like they're properly loved up and everything and they they seem like they just kind of belong to each other. So having a, a storyline where Carly gets fed up and unfaithful, it's a bit, you know, gets a bit of an eye roll. That, no. Gets a bit of an eye roll from me because, yeah, they, they seem like they're very well suited on the whole. Um, but I, I don't know where else this is going to go particularly. I well, guess it's early days. the only person else she wants, she's would go after is Nick. Well, that's she has in the past. Yeah. Right? I mean, Nick and, and Leanne, he's going to be in her bad books at some point in the year, isn't he? Because of um the, the dodgy dealings that he's getting into with Damon. Oh, yeah. But I think... I, I I know that Coronation Street always used to go back to those couples and, and partner swapping all over the Weatherfield washing machine, but I, I think that they have actually moved beyond that now. Good. And I, I can't see... Nick and Carla getting back together again, please God, no. Um, what about well, maybe Stephen? Because you know, he's got his he, he's he's in oh, there yeah. at the factory, isn't he? Brush your hand against his as you're reaching for a pen. If he's going for money, he could do worse than uh, looking after Carla. Well, but I, I, I don't know where <clears throat> I don't know where this is get this is going. No, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't, anyway. You mentioned earlier in this bit that um, Mary was rushing around inviting everybody to the New Year's Eve party and uh, that line that she gives about, she says, oh, New Year's, my second favourite time of year. And then they say, what's your favourite time of year? And she says, Lent, anyway. And yeah, that I was, love that. That was really that funny. That was like the best that thing the... that Mary's done for, for months. That was the funniest thing she said all year, probably. And it was because it was so understated. Yeah. My problem with Mary is how ridiculously OTT she is. And she was doing it a little <laughs> bit, even during Saturday's episode, going around and saying, oh, welcome, you've come to the New Year's Eve party. And I was like, oh, for everyone's sake. But yeah, where she just says, Lent, anyway. And it's, oh, it's got so many questions about why you're... Yeah. Why your favourite th- the time of year is Lent, Mary. And it's, that's the thing, you're not supposed to query it. You're not it's supposed just to, like, if you knew the answer, it would be boring. Yeah, yeah. 
But considering uh, Mary is all about excess and over-the-topness, you'd have thought that Lent was not going to be her thing at all. I could tell her a few things that she could give up for Lent if she needs any suggestions. Oh, right. Right. Um, finally, then, the uh, Max storyline, which, um, yeah, was really didn't go very far at all um, this, this past week, considering what I thought it was going to be leading up to. Um, but David's still worried about him. Shona's saying, oh, no, he's going to be fine. Oh, yeah, this is the weird thing. And I kind of made up a silly script for this on the Facebook group when I was writing out about it. Basically, they, they spin this story out a little bit on Wednesday by Spider having a, a secret meeting with Toya in the in Kitchener Street. Going, oh, Toya, oh, guess guess what? Yeah, Max, he's, he's moved in with Griff. Oh, I reckon he might be in danger. And Toya's like, oh, don't, yeah, oh, yeah, he probably is in danger. Don't worry, I'm going to go and tell David about it. I know I had... I know I had that conversation with him last week in the cafe where I had a little break time cliffhanger and then I just said that Max is in danger and he's and Griff's dodgy. I I'm going to go and I'm going to go and have a have it out with David now. So Toya kind of sidles up to David in the Christmas market and says, "Oh, you know what, David? You know, you know, you know Griff, oh, he's he's a wrong one, isn't he? Yeah. Anyway, bye." And then she goes back off to Spider at the end and it's like yeah, I've told him, Spider. It, it, you know, it, it felt like... It did feel nothing, silly. nothing new there. <clears throat> Toya, have you got something to tell David about Griff? Then just come out and tell him. We didn't need a second scene of her, you know, pussyfooting around the fact that he's a massive racist, right-wing extremist. Either tell him or don't. It's difficult because what could you do if you're in her situation? I know, that's that's supposed to be it. But we kind of had that scene last week. She She... I suppose the extra information she gives is she says or she refers to his so-called camping injury. She's like, don't don't ask me how I know. Like if I was David, I'd probably be pressing that a little bit harder. What do you mean? What do you know? And she's like, oh, I I can't tell you. <laughs> it's just like, come on. Anyway, it it does the trick that he goes to um he goes to find Griff at the end of the episode, um and he tries to give. You know, Oh, no, he, no, he doesn't. That was last week. Sorry, I'm confused about this. So he, David's just kind of left wondering about this. Spider goes back to Griff's flat at the end of the episode and he finds him there giving Max self-defence lessons, yeah. kind of. And they're both kind of oh, circling each other. Like, yeah, well, no, with a pen, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it's like this could be a knife. It looked like something out of a pan at the <laughs> apes or something. And, uh, and, and well, Griff's like, like oh, why would you need to do that? I've got big plans for him, yeah. says Griff. But we don't get to find out anything of what those plans were because we didn't even get to see them. What what fun they what fun times they had at New Year's Eve. See, I would have thought that during all this explosions going off and the fireworks, that'd be the perfect opportunity to blow something up. But I guess. Well, that's why we're not good enough at being at being racist. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's it, Gemma. That is that was our um, slightly shorter Coronation Street for this week, despite it being on four days. Um, what what are we rate? What are we rating it? Did it did it float your boat? Was it a happy new year for you? Um, was Stephen's shady shenanigans enough to keep you interested? I know, um, I know, you did fall asleep for some of it. Um, it was a, it was all right week. It what didn't it, lots of things that should have helped should have had my interest happened, but I like I said, I was just tired. You won't ever let me stop. Ever let me stop? You can never stop. So um, I was—I didn't mean to fall asleep. It wasn't because it was bad. I just was so tired. 
And so, um, obviously, well, it, did, it was exciting because I opened my eyes and then Teddy was getting run over by a car and I closed my eyes and <laughs> the end of the episode, what happened? Oh, yeah, that, that <coughs> was the episode that you were drifting off, wasn't it? I was unconscious. I like Teddy. I thought... I thought it was okay. I mean, the 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 the, the Stephen story had some uh, suspension of disbelief bits in there a little bit. It didn't go quite as as dark or or twisty as I thought it would be. I was hoping for more of a mega revelation or something at the end of the year, and ending with with um, Teddy opening his eyes. Okay, that did lead. That's going to lead into something hopefully a bit more exciting this week, but. Equally, it could just be him saying, oh, I don't remember anything. And by the end of tonight's episode, it'll just be like, uh, so that was a bit of a cliffhanger for nothing. I, I don't know. But I, I I enjoyed that things are starting to move forward there again. Like I said, I I surprised myself with how much I enjoyed the, the Todd and Sean and, and Lawrence story. And everything else was just a bit of nothing, really. The, the Peter stuff was fun, but small. The Roy storyline... Yeah, it seems to be building obviously to something. I I don't know, but I thought it was fine. I'm I'm going to say for this week's episode, um, three and a half. Uh, pulled off Tom Jones's out of five, which is another great Glenda line of the week. I'm gonna give it three and a half as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, three and a half back watching WhatsApp groups. Fine. So it was all right. It was an all right week. I think um they have skewed a little bit higher on the Facebook group. We'll find out in a minute, but. Um, characters of the week. Um, I don't know. My character will be Stephen. Really? Why? Because it's he's just the the most exciting storyline for me, and he's the catalyst for it. Okay. Um, I am going to give this one to. I'm not going to go for that one. I'm going to go for. Um... I'm going to go for Sean actually. Surprising uh, everybody, possibly. I thought that um, I, I like how when I like how he stood up for his man. You know that when after Lawrence told him, Lawrence could have been as well. The fact that he didn't end up succumbing to Todd's charms, but when Sean kind of marched up to Todd in the in the marketplace and tell him to stand away, stay away from his man and everything, I was like, yeah, great, good for you. But also, he very, when he very magnanimously clinked glasses and forgave him, um, I thought, yeah, I, I didn't necessarily want the. Um, the, the, the fallout between them to, to last for too long and I'm sure that it's not the end of the story so I like Sean I gave him my character of the week this week fantastic so Gemma we haven't got any news this week there is some but we've got another podcast in a few days time so I thought we'd leave it until then so um shall we go off and do some feedback yes Okay, feedback time. Thank you, everybody, for continuing to send us your lovely feedback over the festive period and scoring on our Conversation Street Facebook poll. Um, usually, when we do our This Is What People Thought of Last Week's Coronation Street with the poll results, we're talking about what the previous weeks had been, but I kind of just got in there quick this time and did a quick look at what people thought about the episodes we've just been talking about. So what did we, we gave it three and a half. Yes. They've gone a lot higher on the Facebook group. 4.23 out of 5 they gave it. They loved it this week, including, um, well, John gave it three. Three reminders of Sally being caught short this time last year. We didn't mention that really, did we? No, not particularly. <laughs> I mean, do you think that Carla is... I've seen a lot of criticism levelled against Carla online for just being too mean and kind of old school in her factory management techniques. Do you kind of care about that? 
Do I care whether... Do you care about the way that Carla is treating her staff? No, I think she's terrible. You think that Carla is terrible? Yeah, that I Sally do. is? No, Carla's, Carla's treating them all like they're children. I wouldn't work there. I wouldn't work for that woman. She thinks she's better than everybody just because she's rich. That's what she. That's what it is. She's got more money than everybody and they work for her and they, they she pays them a low wage. So she therefore thinks that they're all stupid and children and I think she's a snob. And I if don't Peter mind wants it. to moan about capitalism and you know how awful it is, he only has to look at her. I, I honestly don't mind it. I've thought that over the past few years Carla's got a bit soft and to see well, her yeah, she has, yeah. to have her like asserting her authority um, as you know as much as I wouldn't <laughs> like to work for her and, and I don't think that that's how it's done these days and everything but to see her go kind of old school headmistress about it I'm like yeah you're getting a bit of your getting a bit of your oomph back it was like that scene where she calls Sally into her office and basically humiliates her and makes her curtsy and everything was completely out of order but as a viewer I'm thinking yeah you go girl you show her you show her who's boss you know okay um and and even like she's the last person that makes reference to Car- to Sally's we um at the end of the episode wasn't she because throughout the episode Sally has been saying oh I hope people aren't going to remember and Tim's like no no nobody will remember but for Carla to to mention it is it's just so so cruel but no that that's kind of the Carla part of the Carla I like really anyway um Rebecca gave it three and a half lovely fresh onion bhajis that are still warm out of five. And uh, Pat gave it four amusing quotes from Dr. Strangelove out of five. Thank you, everybody who voted. Um, so, Gemma, I will, I'm will. i going to let you start off with this one because we've got an email from our Mad For It winner That's of right. 2022, Richard. Richard says, Overall, we've enjoyed this week's episodes. The Christmas Day opening scenes were very cheesy, but I think we can forgive the show at this time of year. I'm drafting this on Friday the 30th afternoon, but I have especially enjoyed the development of the Stephen Reed storyline. Last night's episode ended with Teddy getting knocked over in the street. It was typical of Mr. Teflon Stephen, where it will be as Teddy is dead. Stephen reminds me of John Stape, who became a serial killer almost by accident. Wishing you and everyone in the Conversation Street community an awesome 2023. I've just listened to the Conversation Street Awards and I'm humbled to have won the Mad For It Award. Technology admitting, please find my acceptance speech attached. Oh, lovely. Well, so should we, should we have a play of Richard's acceptance speech? Yeah, I think we should do. Let's see what Richard's got to say. Hi, Gemma and Michael. It's listener Richard Taylor here, winner of the 2022 Conversation Street Mad For It Award. Thank you so much, both of you, for choosing me as the winner of this year's uh, award. Um, I get so much out of the podcast and the Conversation Street community that it's um it, it's it's an amazing feeling really to get this when as I say I get so much out of it and give relatively little little back in return other than supporting the podcast as I can. Um thanks as always for all you do for us and um yeah looking forward to a great twenty twenty three with both the podcast and the show. Thank you. Oh, wasn't that nice? That was lovely. You're very Thank welcome, you. Richard. Yeah. Definitely well-deserved winner this year. I think everyone in the Conversation Street community would agree. Well, we saw some people post on the, uh, the Facebook yeah. group after it about it, didn't they? And they all, they all agreed. Right, so I've got a couple of um, emails here about the Coronation Street tour, which seems to have had a few unannounced developments in the last couple of weeks, hasn't it? We got an email from um, Neve, which we'll read out first, and then um, Daniel also emailed in about a, a similar sort of thing. This is all quite um, exciting to us. So Neve said that she heard 
heard us speaking on the podcast last week about Corrie related gifts, so she thought she'd share hers tickets to the Christmas on the Cobbles tour. Now she says, I've never been before, but from what I've heard from you and others, it seemed to be pretty much just the same, but just with Christmas decks up and a few Christmassy bits in the little gift shop. However, the visitors centre was open but not as it will be. We sat in there to wait and we were shown a really long, about 10 minute long compilation of iconic moments before we started the tour to get us in the mood, which was fantastic. Not sure if they've always done this with not being before. They had, they don't. Mm. They do. No, no, they, they, they didn't. Um, they told us that they plan to fully launch the visitor centre around spring of next year, hopefully. We were also taken to the precinct, but we weren't allowed to take any photos there with it not airing yet, but it was great to see in real life. Despite how I imagine, it wasn't any different to the normal tour. It was really a really good day, especially with it being our first time. Really enjoying the podcast and also binging on all the Patreon episodes since signing the other week. Ooh. Hope you both had a lovely Christmas. Um, so let's, Thank you very much. Let's just that. read yep. Daniel's one next before we um, talk about these uh, these new changes. So, Dan, Gemma, over to you. <clears throat> just also like to say, if you want to join the Patreon, it'd be a nice uh, New Year's do. resolution for you to... Uh, learn more about our top five Coronation Street related <laughs> things. Right, Daniel says, I've just been on the Coronation Street tour for the second time this year with the family. It was a Christmas present for my grandmother, Kathleen. Happy birthday, Kathleen. And I also got her a cameo video from William Roach. Oh, she... Christmas present for Kathleen. What did I say? You said happy birthday. Happy birthday, Jesus, to, <laughs> to Grandma Kathleen. I also got her a cameo video from William Roach, which she watched on Christmas Day, wishing her a Merry Christmas and Happy Birthday. No. <laughs> <laughs> and a good experience on the tour. Also mentioning that he unfortunately isn't back on the street until Wednesday the 4th of January, so he couldn't meet her. Ah, uh, that's, that's quite cool, getting <laughs> William Roach to do any of those. Yeah. I booked the tour for the first week of the school holidays as I'm a primary school teacher, but it's unfortunately cancelled and moved to the 30th of December at 1pm. Then I received another email the day before Stating they had moved it to 2pm. I think this was due to staff shortages. I'm glad that that didn't happen to us. Like, if you're supposed to have it the first week of the school holidays, but then you get moved back, like, over a week... It can. It might not always work out. No, not if you're not nearby. Anyway. I wonder if they had some special shooting that to do then. No, they wouldn't have done that over Christmas, would they? No. Anyway. Yeah, no, they weren't. When yeah. I went in summer, we entered via the car park main gates, but I was surprised to see a new sign telling us to enter via the new visitor centre. I thought this wasn't open until later in the new year, but they informed us they are trialling the new facilities with groups before the official opening. Once our bags were checked and tickets were scanned, no wristbands now, unfortunately, as only the people for the 2pm tour were allowed inside. We were told to sit down in the waiting room, photos attached, and wait for our tour guide arrived. Inside the visitor centre is a newly built cafe and gift shop. Both were not available yet, but looked great. We were then taken down to the screen room and sat down for about 10 minutes and watched the history of Coronation Street. It was basically all the best bits from the last 62 years. It was a really great edited together video. Very funny. Then we were taken out onto the street. Unfortunately, the heavy rain began as the tour started, so I spent five minutes stood under the shelter underworld. But luckily, the rain stopped soon after and we were able to enjoy our experience. My favourite parts of this visit were getting to see the newly built precinct set. It was great getting to see everything up close before seeing it on the TV screen. It looked incredible. We were also allowed inside the police station, even though it wasn't a star tour, which I haven't done previously. also loved it when our tour guide made a, a humorous comment about Leo's acting ability, <laughs> calling it wooden, after discussion about his death scene. It was also mentioned that, he, that we will hopefully be seeing Peter and Carlos Platt in the new year, as they are currently looking for furniture for the new set. Oh, interesting. The gift shop finally had new merchandise, beanie hats, caps, new coasters, magnets, Christmas ornaments, books and many more. A big improvement since the last time I attended. 
Overall, a great experience, and I look forward to going again after the official opening of the visitor centres in February. There you go. Well, there we, yeah, so <clears throat> bits of new information there. So Richard's saying that February is the uh, is the potential time to get your tickets booked in there for the, for the official opening of the visitor centre. I'm quite... It's interesting how they decided to trial it. Like, I wonder why they decided that they needed to do that. Getting people in through a different entrance, showing them the video. It's probably less of a hassle to do it that way. Roger, how do you mean? Less of a hassle than what? Than having it in the car park and having everyone herding in through their gates there. Yeah. But what I wonder what needed trialling, though. Was it just it's, like, did they enjoy the video or how how quickly can we... I suppose, I suppose how quickly can we get people in and seated to watch the video, maybe? Why would you not trial anything? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but that, So, 10-minute video, that sounds quite good. I mean, they, they used to have that in the old uh, Key Street set, didn't they? You used to go in there, sit down and watch a, a compilation of clips before going on. But even that, sort of being 10 minutes, that's going to combined with everything else that's going to be in the visitor centre, it's going to really make the, the whole experience take a lot longer and be a lot better value for money, I think. Um, they also talked about the um, this newly built cafe and the gift shop there. Sad that you, they weren't allowed to go in there, but they could have a, have a sneaky look about, about what it looked like. I wonder if the menus have been posted. Oh yeah, I wonder. I don't know. But this is all going to be part of this new this new section where there's also going to be the, the little rovers kind of... Is is that the cafe, do you think, the bit that's going to look like the rovers on the outside and you can go in there? I feel like and... it's going to be licensed. Yeah, maybe. I can't remember. But, um, yeah, that's that's really, really exciting stuff. And um, just trying to then sneak it in there at the end of the year. So thank you very much to both Neve and Daniel for, for telling us about this and getting us feeling <laughs> a little bit more jealous <clears throat> and also a bit excited about hopefully going in a, in a couple of months' time. Presumably, somewhere exists uh, um, a screen correct replica of the rovers that you can they could use and put inside because when we went to the closed set mm. they had the rovers there and it yeah. wasn't being filmed on so there's two rover sets there's the one they use now and the old one where was there another one did we have our photo taken I can't remember wasn't now. that the old set that wasn't being used I'm not sure I don't know wasn't it on the... Grape Street Maybe yeah, maybe I can't. I honestly I can't remember. You might be right, but yeah, I. I it's, so they, it's very so, so they they could use the the rover set that has been used for filming, mm. and they could put the you know, put it inside an actual working pub. Yeah, maybe because I I thought I remember in their proposals they were saying they wanted to have events there. So if you wanted a Coronation Street themed wedding, I can't think of a better idea than having it. In you know the reception being mm. hosted in the rovers, and then you oh, say you know cool. this is actually the same rovers that were had. Yeah, yeah. You know this, that, and that well, character. If it, if they're planning to open it in February, then they'll they'll want to sort of talk about it and and start bigging it up at some point in January, I guess. I suppose it depends. It's a lot when, sooner than I thought February. it was going to be. Well, we we kind of were expecting it towards the end of this year, and then they've just been putting it back and back again. But then once they put it back, I thought it'd be closer to Easter time. So yeah, that's cool. But it. It, how much of it will be open in February? I don't know because there's the 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 plan is for them to let you see some interior sets and stuff there, isn't there? So yeah. the whole new building that's been made over the last couple of years is is absolutely massive. Um, but I, yeah, it, it it feels like the way things are going at the moment, it's not going to all be open at once. I guess I guess we'll have to wait and see. But um, yeah, 
we, we, I'm sure we will be there to, to cover it as, as best we can when that's open. Anyway, thank you very much, you two. Um, on to our next email. So this is from Chris. Now, he had a bit of a theory after, um, I think, last Tuesday's or Monday's episode, which luckily turned out not to be true. Um, he says, uh, listening to the most recent podcast, and you've just got to the end of the Tyrone and Fizz story, and in my opinion, skip, skipped over a potentially really relevant moment. Sorry to be the harbinger of doom, but when Tyrone took a brew up to his gran and said she was flat out because she'd been looking after the kids, straight away I thought she was probably dead. We had no major misery on Christmas Day itself, unless you disapprove of the wedding, yeah. Gemma. And I can't believe they let us get away with something thoroughly depressing. Without something thoroughly depressing. She went off the radar after staying with James. She may well have been getting treated in hospital for something terminal. Remember the episode of Faulty Towers when Basil didn't notice that he's serving breakfast on a tray to a guest who's passed away in his sleep? R.I.P. Evelyn. Chris. Well, I'm glad that didn't end up happening. Well, I read that on <clears throat> yeah when when Chris sent it, which was in between last week's podcast and and this week's episodes, and I was thinking, oh oh, could it be right? Is that because you, know, you know you never know how long somebody like Evelyn is going to be in the program. Maureen Lipman, she, I think if she de- if she decides she basically she decides what she wants to do, doesn't she? And if she wants to take time off to go and do a. Uh, uh, plays or whatever obviously they'll let her and um yeah but I don't think that's what she wanted to I think I think she's the sort of person who would say don't kill me off because I want to come back whenever I fancy mm. but equally if, if she decides that she wants to leave they're like there's nothing you can do about it and it I would not kill off I would not kill off her character if I was in charge of Coronation Street and she she's not going to be able to tell them what to do I know that she's important you know mm famous person, but she's not going to tell Coronation Street what her exit storyline is going to be. No, nobody's above the show. <clears throat> but it would be a shame if that she had just dropped dead on the Boxing Day, because I'd feel like we'd want, I'd want to get some kind of ending story from her. I think also, I don't think Coronation Street is traditionally depressing at Christmas. No, not not generally. No. I think it's more, that seems like more of an EastEnders yeah. move to me. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there, there is still the whole thing that she was up to something, wasn't she? If you remember when she came back and Tyrone said, oh, where did you go after James's? And she was very tight-lipped about it. So there's some kind of mystery there. Well, it she's definitely well. not dead because she was at New Year's. She's definitely, definitely not dead. But it could, I mean, Chris's theory that, um, that she could have, she could have been treated for something in hospital you know, not out of the question, but um, yeah, she's she's still hanging on for now, which is good. Um, Chris also pointed out in the email that um, I was wrong about the song that Fizz and Tyrone, um, or that Fizz came up the aisle to. I said it was the cause. It was actually Shania Twain. They're very much alike, aren't they? Are they? Both beautiful brunettes. Yeah, I was, I was close. I was close. Okay, right. Thank you very much for that, Chris. Uh, interesting theory. Hope. I'm glad it didn't come true over Christmas, yeah, but we're, now. remains to be seen. Susan's written and says, I've such a dilemma, although it's New Year's Eve nearly here. The latest episode shown on telly is Christmas Eve, but your podcast... Yeah, so this is this is Susan in New Zealand. But your podcast discussing Christmas episodes is tantalising me. Should I listen? Should I wait and watch? Should I listen, watch and then listen again? <laughs> Please, may I absolutely agree with you, Gemma, that Tyrone's plan for a surprise wedding only confirms my opinion. He really is... Just not good enough for no. this. I will never forgive him. <laughs> That's right, me and Susan, we're right. No. We're, we're in an anti-Tyrone club. for each other. No. Um, she says, I love the kiss between Amy and Jacob when he was becoming overwrought about his dad. 
I was really annoyed that Daniel was at the pub before picking up Bertie. He was moaning about not having presents for Bertie while Daisy was doing her best to replace and he was drinking a pint. <laughs> Daisy, don't settle for Daniel. I need you to have amazing storylines. I... No, I think Daisy can still have amazing storylines with Daniel. The whole story of Coronation Street is fabulous women settling for mediocre men. <laughs> and that's the biggest tragedy. You know, you're not wrong there. <laughs> I really enjoy your comments about the neighbourhood racists. It, <laughs> it is brave of Coronation Street to show the insidious nature rather than overt stories. I thought it was chilling when they beat up Dar Darian. Darian and there was a lone member barking like a dog when he fled. That stayed with me. It was also brave of you to instigate conversations around this. It's not easy. Keep up the groundwork of keeping us all entertained even though you both sound so poorly. Very much appreciated. P.S. My Christmas lilies bloomed right on Christmas Day. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're pretty much better now, aren't we? I think Fingers I've, you've still got the odd cough. The What's odd... happened to Darian? Yeah, I, d I don't know. I don't know. Do you think he's in a? Do you think they've locked him in a basement? The evil racist. <laughs> don't Maybe. know. Um, Rebecca now says. First of all, I'm so glad that Fizz and Tyrone are now finally married. Yeah, there we go. So this is really this has really divided the viewers, hasn't it? Um, like Michael said, Tyrone was an idiot on Christmas Day and I wouldn't have blamed Fizz for getting away as the presents Tyrone gave her were a bit rubbish. However, I understood the meaning behind it and everything worked out in the end. Yeah. I do think Alina will turn up, but maybe not till next year. And as you said, I don't think Evelyn went to Romania as I don't think she could have kept that a secret from Tyrone, but I'm struggling to think where she could have gone. I did wonder whether she might have gone to pick Fizz up and pretended she hadn't as that's too soppy for Evelyn, but I don't think that now. Love Chesney walking Fizz down the aisle and also love Jack and Vera getting a shout out from Kevin. I'd like Hope to keep her surname as Hope might think she's going against John if she changes it. Yeah, I just loved all the Fizz and Tyrone stuff in these episodes. <laughs> Still enjoying the Max story too, although after every week that goes on, I have a horrible feeling that Spider is going to get killed. Oh my God. Is he going to get squished? Is he going to get hit with oh. a rolled up newspaper? <clears throat> get sucked into the vacuum <laughs> Especially with Toya and uh, Spider reuniting. Toya hasn't really been punished for her killing him, man. <laughs> So as much as it hurts me, I can't see her being happy with Spider for long. So if Spider does get sucked up by the vacuum, is Toy going to be saying, oh, that's right, it's my karma, I deserve this. Oh, I deserve this. this. Okay, <laughs> I'll take it on the chin. Um, I really hope I'm wrong, though, says Rebecca. Max is getting deeper into the rabbit hole, too, and David only wants to protect him, but he's going about it the wrong way. Max needs to learn a lesson, but I'm hoping he doesn't get too deep before he finally realises what he's doing is wrong. Daniel proposing was too cute, although I smell trouble with this charming man. Um, that's the, the person on Daisy's Send PX, if you remember. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to bet it's that creepy Irish guy who was at the Cancer Award with Daisy. Daniel really should support Daisy with her Insta posts, despite him not really being interested in social media. I think, yeah, Daniel and Roy just need to, to set up a group, don't they? How would they communicate with each other? They could Very be good point. Yeah, good point. Um, I did like Ken giving him a family heirloom, um, although, like you said, I thought it was going to be Deirdre's ring Ken, that Ken gave. I'm going to predict Daisy and Daniel break up, but when Daisy maybe gets captured by this charming man, Daniel has to rescue her and they start planning the wedding again. Glad Eileen and Co got the sofa eventually. I like the way Eileen exited for the jungle, although I don't think Jason's going to be coming back with her. There's something dodgy going on with Lawrence, and I don't trust him one bit. Also, that's interesting. So Rebecca said that before watching 
this week's most recent episode, so I wonder whether Rebecca thinks that he did push her off uh, the mountain. I don't know. Um, I'm on Gemma's side. I'd love George to get Eileen a rubbish gift every Christmas as a running joke. I love the idea of either Gabrielle or Elaine being dead in Stephen's roof box, <laughs> and I was surprised to see Gabrielle on screen too. Jenny is so jealous, but she doesn't want to show it. All I'm saying is keep away, Jenny. I didn't think Audrey or Sam would go on their cruise, so I hope that they both return okay. Yeah, see... They've been away. They've been away for a week now, haven't they? And I can't remember how long the cruise was supposed to be. But Sam's, I guess, supposed to be going back to school next week. So maybe he's going to um, telecommunicate. Do you reckon? Yeah. Okay, fine. Well, we'll see. I agree about Mary and Brian. I think they will get together in the new year. I loved Alex giving Brian the green light, and I enjoyed Mary going around the houses singing Christmas carols too. Finally, I enjoyed the montage at the start, and even though it usually annoys me, I don't mind it happening at Christmas. Alfie's got really big, and I'm glad Joseph got his trainers. As you said, it was a nice callback to the beginning of the year. I also love seeing Nina and Asher happy, and Roy trying to take a selfie and failing. Although they missed the trick at the Baileys, not having um, the Baileys apart from Aggie not drinking as she was at work. Character of the week is Fizz, and I'll give these episodes three... I'll give these three episodes four racists wearing a Christmas hat out of five. Um, so there we go. Thank you very much, Rebecca. And finally, we have <clears> got <throat> an email from Nancy. So Gemma, over to you. She says, I loved Evelyn showing up at the wedding. Her comments were hilarious. Tyrone should have given Fizz a proper Christmas gift. I love Fizz's dress. I hope they will stay together. It's too bad. Fizz will be changing her name just when Hope is trying to have a connection with her father. The father Christmas scenes with Fizz added some magic. I felt bad for David because Griff did not give him any privacy to speak to Max alone and he humiliated him in front of his son. I wish Shona had gone with him. The look on David's face said it all. Toya's role will definitely be big because she will be trying to help people out. I also think Toya will follow Spider to make sure he is safe. Do you think Toya's going to get herself blown up? I hope not. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> there are there are enough other people that we could sacrifice before we have to kill Toya. Right? Hopefully. <laughs> Uh, but maybe if she did die, we might get a, a reunion scene between her and uh, Imran. Oh, yeah, we could do what, like, Jack and Vera style. <laughs> do you reckon? <laughs> um, I don't know where I am in this now. <laughs> Their reunion would be, um, you know, how when J- J- Vera came to see Jack, she's like, oh, the bus is ready for us now. This one would be like um, Imran saying, oh, I've come to I've come to pick you up, Toya. Don't worry, I'll drive. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really funny. <laughs> I need them to film that, just, uh, just for us. Um, so, uh, when Griff put his plans in motion, someone will get hurt. Is Max still in school, by the way? Um, yeah, yeah, he's supposed to be at school. He's I guess he's going to be going back this week as well. Yeah. Though, so that's that's why this past weekend would have been the perfect opportunity for Griff to have made use of him. He's going to be up you to know, his studies soon. These racists have to work things into the school holidays. Mm, yeah, exactly. I love Daniel asking Jenny for Daisy's hands in marriage. The proposal was wonderful with Rita, Ken and Jenny there. Aggie was nice to give Daniel presents for Bertie. Stephen will definitely need to kill someone and it could be Gabrielle. I'm not sure yet if Jenny will fall for Stephen. She's too smart. I give this week's episode three knocker rappers out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Character of the week is Evelyn. Emmerdale and EastEnders had music too. Um, I, but did they I, all have cheesy little ECG yeah, I wonder. I hope that everybody has been able to um, use some of our um, newfound vocabulary just as part of their everyday life mm. in the past week. Well, we heard um, Banjax used in a song that we've actually heard lots of times before. Yeah, 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 we did. We, the we, Fascinating had... Ida, I think it's um, mm. Cheap Flights. It's a very funny song. Uh, 
comedy song. And you had to look at the lyrics, yeah. didn't you, yesterday? We found out about Banjax. And somebody online showed us um, a, an extract from a book which refers yes. to um, Fly's Cemeteries as well yes. as, as Acker's yeah. Cake. So we were just but ignorant it, before, I guess. Yeah, well, it's just been around us all this time and we never really noticed. Exactly. It's just like the magic world to muggles. Yes. Right, we're done. We're done for the uh, for the well, not for the week because we're going to be back later on this week with uh with I think maybe Thursday night we'll maybe try and record something. I don't know whether it will be out on Friday or Saturday, but um yeah, so we've got three more curries to come this week. Hopefully they will be just as pleasant as the ones that we've just seen. I'm, I'm very excited to find out what happens with with Teddy, Gemma. Mm. What can people do if they want to contact us in the meantime? <laughs> You can email us at conversationstreet at gmail.com. You can find our website, conversationstreet.podbean.com. You can leave us a review on iTunes, or you can score us on Spotify and even Amazon. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And we also have a YouTube channel and a Patreon. Yes, we do. We do indeed. And don't forget, start your new year off right with some Patreon top fives joining up to our... um, Oh, you okay. can if you want. And then we'll this year we will be doing a nice piece of merchandise for our top tier. Whatever that is. And TBC. Yeah. Right, so Ooh, that is sorry. it. Thank you for um thank you for joining us. I mean we made this a two hour episode, so if we get this out on, on this afternoon, then maybe people will still have time to, to listen to it before tonight's pod, uh, tonight's Coronation Street comes on. That's the thing, like Usually when this comes out on Saturday mornings, you've got a good three days to listen to it by the time it's immediately out of date. And now I've got a feeling that some people will be hearing us theorising about Teddy when the truth has already come out. But what can you do? What can you do? We've still still kept on going. um, Right. Goodbye, everybody. Ta-ra. Gemma's on her phone, so she's done for the episode. I'm off. I'm off. off. (laughs) Goodbye. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com.